What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a real special guest in the building. Listen, he's an artist, a producer, a songwriter, an entrepreneur, a founding member of TOK, the dark voice of dancehall. You know what we have in the building today? We have Basie in the building today. What's going on, my brother? Yo, 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 my crew, my dogs, we're all going to the world, we're listening, you know, that's a base in other place, you know what I mean? Good to have, good to be here, thank you. Thank you for actually coming through tonight, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure. I've been uh, um, connected with the show and I saw the Masterly thing and somewhat, I saw Craig T interview as well, so it's a joy to be on, you know? Thank you so, so very much. All right, let's get the show on the road and let's go. How I like to do, I like to take it from the beginning and bring it right up to right now. All right. All right. And even before we do that, you don't mind if I if I sip my coffee in the meantime. No man, do that. But even before we do that, you're actually my first guest, very first guest for 2021. So I got to tell you, Happy New Year, my brother. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too, and to the team. You know, more success, most highest blessings to you and your family, and you know all of the endeavors to be come to fruition in the fullest. You know, yeah. Same to you, family. Thank you so very much. Thank All right, you. let's go from the beginning here. Mm -hmm. What part What part of Jamaica did you actually grow up in and what attracted you to music in the first place? All right, so I grew up in between two main areas. In Kingston, it was a place called um, Rallington Town or Franklin Town. That's where my, my father's family is from. Um, I'm a mom's family as well, yeah? So both of them are from Franklin Town. Um, and then when I was around four, we moved to... Glendale, which is kind of like uptown, but you know, middle class, um, near Hue and Den, across from the Bobby Digital, basically. And then when I was thirteen, I moved to Portmore to Helsha. Um, so it's a little bit between those, but I, I find most affinity, I claim most affinity to Portmore. You know what I mean? And that's where the musical. There were some roots planted before, but I think it started to really blossom when I was in Portmore in the teenage years. You know. Okay, and what actually attracted you to music? Was it, was it hearing something in particular, seeing something? What was it for you? All right, so my journey with music is interesting because um, the early, early Roshan, not Basie, mm -hmm. you would not think that I would, I would not think that I would have been an artist. You know what I mean? Um, music was something that I just loved for doing it, but I never thought that I would become a musician. Um, so I fell in love with DJing from early, early as a little youth. Um, Tiger, as I said, Courtney Melody. Um, these girls, these guys were my were my idols, you know. Um, Pinchers, Admiral Bailey. So the early eighties, the mid eighties, um, took a toll on me. As and then um, when I became a teenager, though, um, and I was a champion, the love kind of grew in a different way, like. We're in the choir and now we started to sing like these groups um that were in america and that was something that i realized like whoa music i really could do this and we started to dream but early early bass it was it was more it was more schoolwork and everything there you know <laughs> yeah okay so then there was a switch it was okay let's go to school and then yeah. after you got into choir you said you know what i really love this i could really do this here yeah i was just a fan before i was always a fan of music i always loved music deeply I always, um, from a very early age, even though I never thought of doing it, I was breaking down the beats. My first thing with music, I never really care about words so much, but melody and beats, 
I would be breaking out all the sounds in my head. So mm -hmm. when I was a teenager, I realized that I could actually start building beats as well. Dr. Dre was a big influence to me. And I think I was attracted to it from that side. And then also the harmonies to, to see four vocals come together and sound so beautiful. That was very, very interesting to me. So it, it, that's where the early musical love turned into like a profession idea. Okay, and you actually came in as a singer first before you turned into a DJ. So, so part of the reason why I never thought I could be an artist because I never really um, thought that I had a good voice. You know, when I was in a early in teenage um, at Hellshaw one year, somebody came to me and said, "Yo, why don't you sing at the Christmas thing?" I was a me singer, and I said, "Yeah, and I, I'm gonna try." And I said, "Yo, your body voice, but I'm like, really." I don't, it has never occurred to me. You know, I was just listening to it as a fan, but I never really thought of myself in that way. The choir also made me build up the confidence. But then in the choir, there were only two bass vocals. Most of the boys were tenors, and then they had the females doing the higher voices. So it really made me understand the bass voice that I, hold, that I had at that point um, in, in the choir. And I think that is where I came into the group, because Flex and Alex was doing the thing first. Mm -hmm. And then they said, boy, um, we had a competition to enter. And they said they wanted to expand the group to enter the competition. And I was very, very close with both Flex and Alex because I come from Portmore like them, you know. So enough time at the end of the days, um, Alex's father would carry me home. Alex went to camping with me, so we would go home together with his father. So, you know, me, was, me and Alex was cool and I knew he was doing the singing thing. On the deck side, me and Craig was really starting a sound system. You know, so in a fort form, we said, boy, we're going to start Havoc. Flick. I think his father had student had, um, sound system equipment. So we used to save all our lunch money and buy 45s. I still have those 45s now. And okay. so, so it was interesting because for me, I was more seeing myself even as a producer or sound man or Bill Beats, but not as a vocalist. You know, mm -hmm. and it, it's when he said, when Alex said, boy, this competition coming up and we need for have a bigger group for sing um if i ever fall in love then he came to my house i auditioned kind of for him and he said yeah man and then we went back to school and we know that we needed craig i brought in craig and there was the other bass in the group his name is adam west he also came into the group um he, so it's, a, it's five of us that went craig adam me flex and alex yeah and we mash up the place man culture yard I think that was November 92, mash up the place. That's the first me I know about forward and you know, girls screaming. I'm like, whoa, this is this other vibes. <laughs> yeah, well, we mash up the place and thing, and um, and it's no looking back from there, really, you know. Yeah. Okay. And was the first song you guys performed, was it the shy song, If I Ever Fall in Love? That was yeah, the song man. you guys are performing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um at the time, shy. So there was a big group boys to men and everybody. Every, there were a lot of groups in Jamaica, by the way. So every school had four boys that were at a group. But we were the only one um, from our school and in the whole landscape of groups that had this classical training because of the choir. So a lot of them were just like good vocalists, like maybe two good and then other three are just emerging. So they not have the strong harmony. Um, all right, some of them was really good, but we did have a unique sound. And um, yeah, we, we used to go out of the little barbecue and sing and, you know, but as, oh, I, I digress. But yeah, Shy song was the, was the, Shy was like the next group coming up after Boy Simon. And it's like, for me, it was like, all right, we know them are the big man, but them, you tell them bad. And this song was really mashing up Jamaica. So we kind of 
kind of cornered that song. We, we mastered it and we performed it there and then we performed it everywhere else. And it was one of those signature songs for T.O.K., okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then now the group's forming, everything is going along. When did the fifth <laughs> member actually leave the group? <laughs> you know, there's a whole heap of roller coaster in, in between, you know, because... Um, and as, as Craig mentioned in the last interview, that me is the man with the, the dates. I'm, I'm, I'm the one with them called the owl. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, my have a memory. But then everybody have a little thing where they remember where sometimes I did miss too. But I remember for the group, we went through different members. There was a time when um, it was five of us. Then mm -hmm. um, the Adam had to leave because he had to step out of the group because and it wasn't what, what he really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, there was a time, for a short time, when Craig was was doing um, some other stuff as well, and it was down to the three of us, and then we had other members um, audition for us. Um, and and the thing about it is, to be very honest with you, at that time we get so, we got so serious about it between '93 and '94 mm -hmm. that um, basically my father kicked me out of my house for for doing music. And Flex father kicked him out of the house for doing music. So there was at least a two-year period where me and Flex grew up in Alex's house. Alex's mm -hmm. father is really like the, the godfather of TOK, Mr. McCullough, because he's the one who carried us to that first audition. When that audition finished, it was like 10 p.m. Me, me think my mother got kill me. How me for come home as a 14-year-old? I come home 10.30 in the night. And she him for going and explain everything while me sitting at the car, fret before me could I get in. Um, I'm going and thing and um, other opportunities, Mr. McCullough was there. So when my pops was like, yo, yeah, throw your life because you got this good school and you know, I get the grades come up. My grades weren't doing words out so great, you know, because okay. I was a school. Because the, tr the truth is, um, and let me just put this in context. Mm -hmm. As a parent now, I can appreciate where he was coming from, but the truth is, this is when you're a 14 year old and know exactly what you want to do with your life. It's a mm -hmm. very good thing. And I am the type of person that the more people told me that I couldn't do it, is the more I was determined to prove them wrong. So it reached a point where my pops was just like, yo, you joke out this thing and get kicked from one school. And Mr. McCullough took me in, Mr. McCullough took King's Flex. And we just went to Cactus every, every Friday night and we performed Craig Link Up back. We're just going and going and going until um, we became the hottest thing in Portmore, like at Cactus, because um, while there were other groups, we were the ones who started to infuse dancehall into it. So we started to do little Wayne Wonder in our set, or little um, Tony Rebel Jai standing by my side. And uh, by this time, there, an, another fifth member had come in, Vaughn. Um, and he was there for a good while too. He was there for like two years. And then in the last part, he had started to work, so he couldn't continue. I just came down to the four of us who were like the four core from the get-go. Um, by this time now, we started with Craig House and practice a lot. And every day with us a sharp tool and we started to decide, so yo, we need to start voice. Um, and then there was a virgin named Stephen Gregg who saw us one night at Cactus. And look, I can go out of my way for get a number because we were at Alex Yard and then we just get a call. And this man, I said, yo, I'm going to manage me. And I said, manage? We never know, so we need a manager like that. You know? <laughs> and he was like, yo, I'm going to manage me. And um, that created the first real professional step out for the group. Okay, and what year was this we're talking about here? 
I think he managed us from nine to nine. I he probably approached us ninety five, but I think he managed us ninety six because he was the first person to carry us into the studio, and he paid like Sly and Robbie. Well, I don't know if he paid, but him commissions, him produced the project. You know, so he got he got Sly and Robbie to build some beats for us, and um, that was the first song that we did, which was anything for you. A, a cover version of um, Michael Jackson group 3T. Michael Jackson's nephews had a group called 3T, and he did a cover version for it. Um, and yeah, that was the first real record we had that come out. And I remember the same night it came out, the same day it came out on 45, and it was at Arrows. Uh, not Arrows, sorry. Um, Aquarius is where people used to buy records. And Rory collect a bag of 45. And then and him dead and him, the last record put on and him said, Give me that one little. Yeah. And him, him swing it out. No, them time that them swing them fling the, the 45 thing, put it in their jacket and it have a vibes. And um Flex was there and Flex them say oh, our song and him say my guitar strength. And the same night we were on, on the corner in Portmore at Bridgeport, and they were playing down at Bayside, Stone Love. And the early string up, we hear the rhythm. I must say, yo, goosebump take me over. Me. I say, yo, what this? Mm. What this, you know, Weepo, um, Rory, our first man for play upon sound, as far as me know, that same night. Um, yeah, and, and it just, you know, it just went from there. Crazy, crazy right there. It's always big when a sound like Stone Love endorses what you're doing, especially when, you know, this is the big Stone Love you've heard for years, and now my song is playing on Stone Love. Exactly, exactly. And for us, you know, it's like, it was also a... Uh, uh, a stamp of approval and just from the sound system side of stuff, you know, because back then people saying, yo, group, and bear in mind, we as, as TOK, we were trying to be, our mission was to be an R&B group from Jamaica to hit US. Mm -hmm. We weren't really thinking about reggae or dance uh, at the start, you know, um, as we started to perform a cactus. And then me now have to start finding my space in the group because this is the first night when me come home late, yeah. And my father and me get in at the house. My, my mother let me in at the house, and my daddy, my father come home, and the 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 group shy song came on on the TV. So I said to him, say, yo, you know, so I'm gonna perform this for a label earlier today. I said, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, so it, them, you know, the, the leads. Everybody's singing their leads. I'm saying Flex did that, and Alistair did that, and Craig did that. But I was just doing harmonies and him stuff. And I said, yo. So where your part there? <laughs> I say, yo, that's tell me not about no more music unless you <laughs> do your lead. We're not interested in no backup studio thing. Yeah. So that was in the back of my mind all along, you know. So when I started to perform later, a little later, when I started to perform at um at Cactus and that's a dance hall club setting, I had to do what I really new, which is dancehall and, and reggae. So I was singing some baby shamas. If they were singing, if some of the guys were singing away in one that I'd a jump in with a, how many girl get slammed through money? Many, many. You know, and I got some booze. I got many, many booze from the nice, nice girl. And we don't want to hear nothing about how many girls get slammed through money. But it was all a part of building my character mm -hmm. until I kind of had this fearless thing. And what I was doing actually was creating a song because I was trying to DJ like Bounty. Mm -hmm in my tone so if bounty said boy come a road and a four man a war i would have done it in boy come a road and a four man a in my work list boy oh liar so i was starting to build this thing of djing in the lower tone which was in dance hall before the closest mm -hmm. to it was um degree did, did i play with it a little bit and rounded as well 
but not like a signature sound, you know? Um, and, and so that is what, that's what I, I ended up bringing to the TOK sound. I started to DJ and then Craig start, I started right. So the first thing is that back then we were still doing singovers, but after we did the first record, um, Anything For You, then we started to go to the different studios and I remember we, we dropped a mixing lab and, um, you know, mixing lab is a spot, you know, with all the big man and they're right. There's a bulb, yeah, hot like fire them time and thing. And we sing, and when we sing, my tell us that people come out, slide them, come out of the room, bounty come out, everybody come out. They must say, Oh, we never hear this before. What is um, so ghost here, you know, and ghost said, No, no, them are the maddest thing. We don't have to sing harmony for me, we don't have to sing harmony for me. So, so he invites us to sing harmony for him at um, Songfest. So, the, okay. so, so actually, ninety-five. I want to say either ninety-five or ninety-six. Some Songfest. If you look at the tape, you can do your research. The headliners. That was the year when Mansa Shack was the hottest thing, and um, Mansa Shack ended up being a closing act for Dance All Night. And we're on the stage in black singing harmonies for for him. But I remember also that in the process of that. Mm -hmm. I just know, say, yo, my band for mash up that stage, yeah. Because it's like for me, I didn't even, one time I was even seeing my harmony, it's like flex on my link, and I say, yo, sing your part. Come with us and watch, like, ghost, general, you know, it, on stage, Monster Shock is like crazy. So, crazy. Um, general B climb up and speak, and <clears throat> the girls and them crew, they said, hey, no matter what, not this hundred. And the, the man had dig out some foul out of the crowd. And then Ghost called, food for me, Brian, Brian. Yo, it's like, and then go, go, you know, we are smoke prescription. Yo, I'm just saying that I was so mesmerized by the energy of mm -hmm. what it is to mash up a stage show that I was not even remembering that I supposed to be singing harmony. And a couple of times, well, them off a bounce, man, so sing your part. So after that, Mano said, yo, this is where we are going. We are going to lock in. The, the, the dance hall mm -hmm. with sound that we have. So Monster Shack was a big part of me molding, and I wouldn't say me alone, all of us molded our song, created a song, the four of us, but that was that gave me a lot of inspiration. So I actually wrote right after that, we write a song named Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, I like your style. Mona Lisa, I like your smile. That was really the first, first original song that we wrote. Um, and I, I was kind of, I was kind of imagining like, wrong, um, we any wonder are ghosts. Uh, it goes to that song and say, you know, no, I like your style. You know, no, I like your, so I kind of took it from there. And then I sing it in a smooth way. Any wonder we have put the harmony. And it's kind of created this space where we could be. And then, um, I write the verse flex and can you feel my good you know, flex. I say, yo, no, I feel it star. I say, yo, all right. Magagi, magagi, we know what I'm going to do. I say, what? It's a mega good ghost. I'm saying, no, no, come here, come here, come here. Sing it again, sing it again. <laughs> and that's how we end up got in at the studio. Um, and by that time, my manager now was saying, all right, we did the, the sing over, but we want him heard we sing it. And he said, yo, this bad man produced this. Um, and I don't know if you know, Titimus. But yes. Titimus was a young drummer them time with a band named Caution. And we mm -hmm. did them play. And the manager said, yo, that you tell bad, we're going to the studio with him. So he actually went in the studio at Bobby Digital, him and I think Ernie, and then played a beat for, for the original Mona Lisa. Um, 
and that came out as our second record. So it was a big journey. It was it was a lot happening a lot of very fast. We were opening up to the industry, goes and and, every, and funny enough, everybody was just looking at us like, yo, it's when Uno bus, the game over. Everybody was like, yo, nobody never say when you never make it or whatever. Everybody was just like almost like a like yo, like a respect before we even bus, just mm -hmm. from how the sound was. Um and and I wrote that part and Craig wrote the DJ part and then we started the DJ active. So him go, uh, this is a fitty girl then wherever look Chris, then boom back a calf and we stand up to fitty girl then with the shape and he said we're singing a harmony and like, well then I could so we kinda just created the song bro. I, I can go on and on and on, but it's just a it's just an amazing journey when you think back, you know, what you create what we created and, and what it evolved to, you know what I mean? But it's just to see how you even came up with that song. As you said, you seen first go seeing you at the studio, then brought you on to some fest. And that moment there just put something in your mind. You said, listen, I'm going to write back the song just like this. And just you yeah. creating the song like that was, it's just a whole different vibe in itself right there. Where even now, I think the song that you're talking about, Mona Lisa, that was recorded for Shams? Um, so yeah, so we did it back two times we did it back afterwards so the, the record that we did with, uh, with the producer it didn't work at the time um and then by the time we reached on to main street richie d was coming out with a rhythm name fate yeah. and we did it back on fate because uh, by that time now we have a few songs out but now we want radio play um and squeeze it have a song named sky um, mm -hmm. Sky was right beside Main Street. So most times if you can't get in Main Street, got a gate man or let you in, you go over Sky and you go and practice. So we're singing harmonies over there and singing, singing. And we did it as a dub plate on Faith. And then Richie D came and heard it. Um and said, No, enough of voice it. And at the time also Vegas was really the big man by then now. So Vegas did have hands up, girl from your nose, you never bow upon the faith with him. And when Richie came down, he carried all of us round to 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 big big ship. So, um, so who was from Main Street? Um, um, Lady G and and in the Bosky Navasashi we fling down. Um, and then Hawkeye was also trying to bust at the time. So Hawkeye came on there, and we do the harmony for oh she's chatting on your face and she yeah ooh, ha ha. It's, that's us saying ooh, ha 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 ha. Um, and actually, he came to the studio. Fun fact: He came to the studio. I was singing about um, the girl them are dead over me. Who ha ha? Talking <laughs> about him. Who ha ha? And, and um, this is what I like about back then. Like people were throwing ideas, and nobody took offense, you know. Because they got stopped the music and said, "No, bro, nobody know I hear about your who ha ha." You have to yeah. mix up the girl them and say, "Oh, she be chatting on your face when she a who ha." And then sit down there and rewrite the whole song and we'll wait with him. We'll put on the harmony and everything. And then we get to sing Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, I like your style. That was the second version. And almost two years later, again, when the album, when we really blow up now and ready for drop an album, we did it over like a Maxi Priest house call side kind of way. Shams remix it again. So we did it, we voiced it three different times. Yeah. All right. Because I know, as you said, even uh, Main Street, you guys spent some time over at Main Street there. Yeah. How we, was your time over at Main Street? It was good at first, like so, so. Main Street was actually very fundamental for us because, um, at the time when we got our first record, out '96, was the same time that Main Street was taking over as like the new hot thing, you know. Um, and Main Street was very close to where Craig lives, so we said, "All right, we'll make with us go around there." So when we go around there, you know, Danny Brownie 
I mean, the whole process is different now, you know. The, the young artists don't understand how it was for you have to go to a studio and have to try to get past the gate, man, and then try to get into you know, the studio and then try to get to the producer and then try to get the producer to get a chance and then hope that them have enough track on the 24 tracker. It's a whole fight to get there and then hope that it get released. You know what I mean? So Danny Brownie, he was a little, he was receptive to us, but he was just like, yo, I like your sound, but we need more argument from you, more mix up, more talk, more this, more that. So he told the engineer to give us some beats. We don't know at the time, but the engineer is Shams. So he told Shams to give us some beats on a cassette. And we don't know what Shams do, but Shams put on one rhythm from Danny and two rhythm from himself, because he was like a coming up producer, but we never know. So we think all the rhythm then was, was, Dan, was Danny rhythm. Yeah. So, but it just happened that through we young and the same way, wavelength as him, the two beats that we really loved were his two beats more than Danny beat. Yeah. So we write a song named Guantanamera. Guantanamera, this a feeling I left with the wine in the cellar, he okay, could not make bad song. Um, and I read him that he had named Chinatown. If when Shams watched his interview, Shams like I said, yo, the man remember the details because when we came and sang that song at the studio, Everybody was there, Chrissy D, Red Rat, Goofy, everybody. And we sing the song upon the rhythm. Mm -hmm. And Mr. The Man run out of the studio and said, No, I'm the baddest thing this man here in my life. If the man advised for me now, something like he was just making this proclamation. In my mind, I said, Why is the engineer so excited about Danny Brownie's production? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's afterwards he explained to me, I said, Yo, my beat and really. I was like, Oh, cool, definitely. We, 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 I will go hungry for it, one, we'll get out. I revived that, revived like two more tracks for him. Like he had this rhythm called Gypsy. So we, it just happened that our space in Main Street wasn't really Main Street, but it was like the next generation with Shams. And um, Shams had like two rhythm out, and then him set him up this rhythm named Baddest Rhythm. And the thing about TOK, I can say for us is like, maybe I can talk for myself more than the group, but. I think we are more drawn to beats with melodies and, and notes more than drums. Yeah. So, but this is really a drum rhythm more than, it's not colorful, we're not pretty, you know? Mm -hmm. So when we hear the rhythm, we say, yeah, man, we're gonna mash it up. So we voice a song named Galang Girl. Yes. Um, no, not Galang Girl, no, Go On Girl. When them girl, yeah, when we have to say, Go On Girl. Um, and then at the time, the big group in Jamaica was ARP. This is where so, the story gets very interesting. <laughs> yes, yeah, so ARP, you know, at a big group, and them have some songs with, um, them really at par with, with Beanie Man. Mm -hmm. Beanie Man, you know, have them punk up a records, and then when Biggie died, 96, and um, Faith and Biggie um, did, did, did um, uh, Every Step I Take, mm -hmm. then they do a dance version with ARP and Beanie Man, and, so it's them of the crowd, you know, and we never, we never have a problem. We bought them a show and we give them them glory and say, yo, nah, nah, like the place. And so they actually were the bigger act before T.O.K.? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would say they're the first real group of um, contemporary dancers, yeah. They, we, we and them was at the, was in the barbecue level, I think, but they are a little older than us, I think. And also, to me, they were, their name was more popular from even the barbecue level. So it wasn't surprising when they got to be on um records with Beanie Man. We were still trying to record. They were already out, have songs on the radio. They had hits for them own too. You know, they, yeah, man, they must doing them thing. They must doing them thing. Um, and as I said, we were happy for that because it doesn't mean that, you know, the space is there for groups. Um, 
And there are others that were coming out. I don't know if you know, you know, well, you must know, you know, D Major, the singer yeah. nowadays. So D Major um, came from a group back then also named QT. Um, but there were a whole heap of groups, you know what I mean? Um, and because ARP had this, because I was always a strategist, strat I was, I'm not saying I'm the only, because the money I watched it, I say, yo, basically, like, I even, we were all strategists, but I am, I'm always a thinker. So I was like, yo, if, and at that time, Sham said, well, management. So I'm going to say, all right, Shams, this is my, my thoughts. I have no problem with you managing us if you can get us a song with Lady Saw. Because to me, it's like, if we're going to try to size up with ARP, we have to find a big artist for, for B Monks. We don't want B Monks, Beanie, because Beanie already with ARP. Um, so let's go for the top female artist then that would compliment us. So get us a song with Lady Saw. And we did a song with her on the same bodice rhythm that he was dropping. Um, we did a song with her name, Hardcore Lover. The boy have him, yalla, now walk right. And what the girl need, she need a hardcore lover. So that kind of get me out. That was our first top 10. I mean, I said, all right, well, I'll go on now. So now, um, Shams said, yo, I'm ready for management. I said, all right. By this time now, Dave start move close with Shams. Because they, Shams have two labels now. So one label is being distributed by Main Street. And the next label, him have, I think it was being distributed by, by um, Madhouse or um, Janet Davidson. Them. Dave family them. Mm -hmm. Um, so since my realized hey man, Shams cool, I say, yo, Shams, um, he said, if you can't get to on this broke out with him, I'm gonna have no problem with you management for the rest of my life. Um, and I said, all right, cool. So I'm talking to Dave because mm -hmm. Dave was so mysterious that even though you know people know him, you never know if you're gonna get a chance, you know. We, 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 we it was just like, a, it's like a mystery man, it's like, it's like a phantom, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um we got a chance to record and i think craig car carried the story this post story so craig cut the rhythm on a cassette 20 seconds of the cassette and from dave saying we'll give us a chance no this is this is the thing you know mm -hmm. um by that time can't believe my eye the first batch of the rhythm had can't believe my eye with bone to killer mm -hmm. um can, can um boom um baby sham which girl and which girl have up the boom yeah, um, we um, Spraga, the first girl we fly up in your face, a cabra. It had um, it had like around seven solid songs already, and then killer, they can't believe my eye. Mm -hmm. Then we hear some other second. So when we have, and it also had goof and win and um, Chico, bad man, nah, we nice to blow, and those were our bridges from, from Main Street. So when yes. we link with when we link with Chica now, Chica said, yeah, they have, they have a second batch coming up. Well, I said, all right. So we write the song and go down the Eagle's Cry. And then and we tell for change. And we'll go back and change the part and go back and voice. So by this time now, we we'll voice and we we'll say, all right, hopefully he will release it. Because by this time, him, him so interested. We voice, man, and don't, and don't release, you know. <laughs> they we'll voice and don't release it. Yeah, I'm gonna it and then say maybe later. So you don't know if you're getting released. Um, and we can't end up coming out on the batch with can't with any time, kill a second song on the rhythm. Um, can I get her and TOK Eagles cry and we're the one that's conscience free. So it was just like top placement, big rhythm for the Christmas. You know it's a Dave rhythm of a bus. 
you know, Tivoli man, them start invited for perform down some place and West Kingston Jamboree and it's like a different level. And that is really when I would say for TOK was like, all right, we're boss because we were no longer trying to, we had a song that's in the middle of the juggling with the top, with the baddest dancehall artist, with Killer, I mean, and, and, and Shaman, you know, it was just like top billing, top placement, A-list, you know what I mean? Big level thing. So, um, at this, so at this time here now, you guys would say you guys and ARP are now the two big groups right now? Because you have the big We're bigger, right? bigger than them now. We're gone left them. Because they never had they, they never had a big dance uh, hit. Mm -hmm. They had some hits like with Beanie and them had some hits and don't get me wrong. I'm going to talk as if they didn't have it. They had the In the Jungle. They had the Selena. They had some songs. But I mean, this was like this this is like carrying us to big top the top five songs it was like in the top four songs of the christmas it was like it was a big 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 and and um this put with name on the map this make we start get travel as a group this make we can start say yo we're not travel um we're not going away if we we would travel for um, um coach but we're not sharing a room this is when we can start say yo we're not sharing a room every month every month i've them one a room this is when we can start say this and that and you know what I mean? It's real level now, big one level now. And also dub plate. Because earlier before that, we were going dub plate studios from when you have to go straight to wax. And because we are a group, if we make a mistake, that is like your rating's gone. So we'd have to really try if we not make no mistake. Um, and I remember earlier, I don't want to call the sound name, but there's a sound where Eagles Cry just come out and they never understand the level. I mean, I tell them, say, yo, you can get the dub in with that Exodus. Mm -hmm. And the man beg man bar me down to that price. We so don't even want to re repeat yourself. <laughs> so the four away and say, yeah, I'm sorry, no worries. Sir. But to this day, that man they can't ask me for no double plate. You see me? To this day, that man can't ask me for him know who him is and me know him is. You understand? But uh, by by within three weeks after that, at the yeah. best thing, you know what I mean? And everybody else, and then them time, you know, matter and come get it for dub and you know. This, this is where we had to get a cell phone. Put it in perspective. Now we bought, now we have a song playing, but we don't really start sitting. I hear you and Craig talk about fame and, and fortune. It's exactly that. So we have the fame now, but we now make the money. But, mm -hmm. but we're getting so much call for dub plate with Gary from Exodus say, yo, one hour now I got to take a cell phone. I got to give you a cell phone because I got to call in a regular. Them time we didn't even know about having a cell phone. You know what I mean? Um, and we get a fridge. <laughs> it was a fridge, you know what I mean? But it was so important because we started to get calls. So ARP was wasn't any threat to us at that time. And as I said, to us, we never had a problem with them. It was mm -hmm. it was at that moment, I think they started to pre us. So them know because we used to see them and we used to heal them up. We used to par. We used to be a penthouse and par and sit down and run joke and cool because group to group we understand certain things, you know. Um and them counteract the song. When them say the song got big, them counteract the song. And say, them about for the war, and I stay far. Anytime them say, really cut into the car. Like you shut down with crew camp bar. Oh, you feel like you're eagle in your car. Now, I was the one who said, them try to stop with them, no one say we go far. Fast they better low me, call me eagle in my car. So it's me. Say, me have an eagle in my car. You know? God. I, I'm a lyricist. Me, me, I come up from... Me, me, as though I have to dance, uh, my main inspiration is Snoop Dogg and um, Tupac and Biggie. So I come from a lyrical place where 
you yeah, throw a word from me, um, you're taking shots at me. And for me personally, I always enter the game like, yo, you see me, I'm the coolest dude. I don't get in no trouble with nobody. So you know what that means? I'm building capital for when somebody mess with me, you can't tell me how to respond. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's no rules to engagement. So you call my name in a song, you can't tell me something, I can't come run, in, run, run my car over your car. Yeah. You trouble me. May I be with my money, may I protect my family, may I feed my family, and you feel like they can turn my thing in a joke thing, a weak fence thing. I'm going to run them joke, I'm a grocer. You know what I mean? I, I don't come from that background where we kick it, kick it and laugh like that. So when them do that, um, you know, I don't, I'm such a, I'm such a corporate brand now. I don't want to really talk about what I did, but let's, let's just say we never take it so lightly. You know what I mean? Um, and it, give, us a, give us the corporate style of what happened. I, I, I stepped to them. We had a, we had a conversation, you know what I mean? I stepped to them and we had a, a very intense conversation that could have gone much worse because I am a man who I don't, anything I say me I do, I do it. And I don't say a lot. I'm very, very quiet. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a loner. I'm an introvert. And I deal with everybody with respect. And I deal with people with respect so that if you mess with me, um, you're getting the full lion. It's a Leo. You're getting the full lion. You know what I mean? Um, so I stepped to them. I stepped to them wicked. And then they were so, they were so shaken because I stepped to three of them. I must step to them. So they were so shaking at them. Call a meeting same time. I said, no, 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 no. It's not like that. We were just, you know, like how bounty and being. We just feel like so we could have done this thing and whatever, whatever. And I said, yeah, but you know, if you tell me that, so me can be no say that is a game you play. But if you, if me hear my name in a song, I move lyrics in a song. Me I go pre you. And I said, no, no, no. I know. Apologize and whatever. And we even it was a time when the lead singer Davville, he was just about to go solo. And uh, we were at Pintos and him said, yo, in my ass, we could do the harmony upon him first. One of his, I don't know if it was his first solo record, but he was doing a solo record that day. And I think he had brought ARP to do the harmony. And him said, yo, in my, in my ass, we could do the harmony. He asked for an autograph. Came show, he said, enough love and rare. I'm sorry, cool. Boom. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. This is like 98, 99. It's done. Seen? Boom. Out of Waterhouse come this next crazy group, our crew named War 21. So what 21 come now, what 21 are shell the place, mm -hmm. shell the place. We have a rhythm named Badis. Mm -hmm. Them come with a rhythm named Bada Bada. You understand? So again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person that think on levels, you know what I mean? So I say, yo, what is, and there's a crew and then there's a bass voice, suko, you know, like there's a comparative energy. But at the same time, no man never said nothing to me, so I never have a problem with that man, you know? But yeah. our fans were pushing, like, yo, which cool, which cool bad and what 20 on RT, okay, or whatever. And I think it was creating, like, an unsaid tension. Mm -hmm. um, and then ARP started going on to what 20, started going on to, to um, Waterhouse. So it kind of was like, all right, what's, what's really good? But we are all off our spot, Main Street, you know what I mean? We're up, we're up, <coughs> uptown and we're... Mm -hmm. um, what 21 around the place? Um, we bought them for the first time at a, at a champagne album launch for Dutty Cup, um, the first album, Stage One. Mm -hmm. And from a link up in person, it was a joy. It was just them a joker, we a joker, we love laugh. There was no tension to the point where we invite them for, for be, play a cameo in our first video, Deadly Medley One. If you watch the Deadly Medley One video, you will yeah. see Suku and, and Wad them in other video, right? And I, actually, 
um you might have a little mishap with him chain in at the video shoot it was just like it was just like real energy real energy were cool nobody never you know what i mean of course people want to see which bass voice bigger and really really by this time we start voice for tony kelly we start voice for other people start voice for um big um big yard <clears throat> shaggy them and so forth and um then we'll find this hit monster record with, with tony kelly where i said my crew my dogs right bs vice mm -hmm. you know, big song you know tok find back a lead now hold back a space now you understand who did that because around two years we're kind of slow we have voice some song but they're not hit like a what did i run the place and okay. then boom right um out of nowhere again arp comes out of oblivion and come counteract my song again <laughs> <laughs> and it's no. your it's your your part again um no i think this was a full group because it was they must say um they was saying how oh, the course it go? i don't even remember the course, but it was a much more personal record because them was mocking flex voice mocking the high voice and um oh them said yeah it was like, like so basically it was a controversial topic right um mm -hmm. with the whole phobia and everything so yeah. we were trying our best to navigate the whole thing so that we don't get this kind of backlash on our career and they was trying to counter us and at the same time calling us out on it for seboy we're not street and we're not this and we are back from whatever and yo all i say is yo me just tell the man and say yo you see if you diss me one time I'm gonna make it slide. Is that is it's cool? He said, "If it diss me again, they definitely take me for a idiot." No, you understand? So me, I gotta check you. So that's exactly where my headspace was for like for a week. I mean, you know, we basically drive every studio. I look for the man. Me personally, just I drive and look for the man. Name, step to them. And so when I drove into IRFM, <laughs> one of the virgins was there, and you know, I'm I'm a, I, even though I don't even want to laugh about it because it's it is i think it was one of the few times and the definitely last time that i allow my emotion to make me fully fully go animal on somebody um and, and i and i don't i'm not proud of it because one i know the artists now were cool and, I, and i'm trying to belittle or diss him in any way but also too i felt like in a way he got the better of me because they got under my skin and got me to do something that at the end of the day it kind of backfired upon us because by the time this is irfm by the time we done mash up irfm and craig done i mean craig tell you a story but me can tell you craig when craig was trying to part it and then hold on to him mm -hmm. and the virgin run go hide you know the you know the building it's like craig is like a mad craig is like a hulk you know so so it's like it's like he's chipping them head and say hold on what does happen all ago me i try part it and this man hit me with a saw and the man said, Davil, <laughs> come out now. See, and Davil did there laughing, like even at the building. And then we just see the man, I swear to you, they have like four security I hold him. And the man just start walk with the four security, the four security I hold him, so, and then put that drag, put that drag. And Craig just walk with the whole of them, go straight to the building, them can't stop him. And them time the Craig was like double the size that he is now, you know, he was a big dude. Um, and him, him get so upset is a is a shot is a hurricane shutterproof window glass the, the radio station up 
and the man gets so upset, the man slammed the, the, the glass. I'm mean, gonna say the whole glass just cracked home, just broke down. So, yo, we had to carry him to hospital. Then, my soldier, them here, man, circle the place. I think we were supposed to do a ad for a show with Caperton. So, Caperton come now and, you know, I try school, my music is a mission, not a competition. I say, yo, you see, me and my mad head, I don't want no man tell me nothing about nothing. See, can't you see me as a nice man. Me don't want no man tell me nothing. Me never got this no man. Me never call no man name in a song. A man ramp with me. Why never talk to them? You understand? So my head was, you know, and it was a long time before me calmed down over it, you know, but I felt also that it was reckless of me because Craig ended up getting caught into it when he, was, he never wanted to get, get engaged like that, you know? So it's something that I look back on and, and it's like one of those life lessons I'm going to say, yo, I'm not going to ever make somebody get on my skin like that, even if um, it's something that it, it is something that bothers me. I've will, I will, I've, I've mastered the art of responding as opposed to reacting. You know what I mean? It's a big difference. So yeah, that is, that is what happened. And then from there, you know, him did, um, him did get the better of it because he did ER and he did a lot of press and he kind of said, yo, you know, I have a poster of them at my house and, you know, you know, um, of all the people, I am the one, and I'm like, yo, you see what I say? Because me, no trouble, nobody, no, but a man trouble me, and because me, my, my, me just roar. Mm -hmm. The turn around make me look bad, and you know, if, and also, I guess for the other members of the group, because they, they must have been worried that it was at RFM, it could have been the end of your career, could have get banned, them now and playing music, like we literally mash up them, them, them glass, you know. So it was one of them times when we were hot blooded and. Head, head no good, you know what I mean? But, but Was there actually any resolve where you guys said, okay, let's go to a concert together and sing? Or was there something where no, their side like, knew it was one and you just cooled? No, they had a meeting with us. They came up to the studio like maybe a week afterwards, man. We had a, we had a meeting. Um, I don't know if it ever, I mean, I don't say them leave and say, oh, cool. They were still upset that I stepped to them, you know? Mm -hmm. But of course, me upset too. So we did leave it saying, boy, you know, kind of like at make peace we didn't leave it home ended um and to know i mean you know mitch i'm a general same way um and davil cool with davil too you know but i guess at the end of the day at that time i felt like i was i was disrespected and i had to do what i had to do um but i've never had a problem with anybody personally like more power to everybody and what they're doing you know so eventually with, with i think over time it, it kind of here where we can see each other and we can hear each other and School. I have no bad blood towards him or anything, but you know, I definitely had to do what I had to do at that time. Yeah, I guess that was one of those moments in the whole TOK journey where this was like a little blemish on the whole thing that we're doing here. Was that fight there? Was there yeah. ever was there ever any other time where you guys were supposed to clash with an artist or clash with another group or anything like that? No, 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 never, never. Um, I mean, you have moments when people walk on for you and try a try a thing but never a planned clash and definitely not with another group um actually personally me and suku we, we have this kind of vibe where i mean last year for my birthday i did a, a boat ride out at um italy south italy and invited him and he came with the rest of the world on the boat and we did this kind of concert on the boat vibe and it was like super super crazy but just from the flyer from people see the flyer and say basically on one side and suka on the other side they're like yo more see this yeah. because it's, a, it's always it's been a question in many minds like who will voice deep and who bother and you know what i mean and there's still mm -hmm. this 
ultimate respect from both of us side. Like you must tell you, say, yo, we cool it base and we tell you we cool it suckers. So it's not any bad blood, but we always have this energy when we're up on stage where if him say blood stain, we say micro, if him say uh, you know, whatever, and it's just like we, we keep going for it. So um that is something that I'm more interested in, like doing a tour with him or doing some more work with him, you know. Mm-hmm, no, for sure. All right, I got a couple of QOK songs here that I want to break down with you. All right. Yeah, one of the big, big, big monster songs. I think this is the one that probably put you guys on billboard would be oh. Just Got Paid. Yeah, that's so interesting. That record is so interesting because what I took away from that record was simplicity is always the best thing. We had a totally different song for the rhythm, you know. We had a totally different song written where we this kind of calculated harmony melody da 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 but it was just like it never feel right and i i have to take my hat off and big up that youth name flex from tok you see that youth there that youth there more um instrumental in my life than I, and I think him even know because he was the first man to tell me something can dj um and i don't think i'd be djing if him never looked for me and said yo you're bad if a dj mm-hmm. Zin? also that moment when that song we sing all that and him say yo i don't know you know so you know feel right we can't just sing something simple like something i don't know something like just got paid and I got a little money to burn. Ah, uh, <laughs> just, just say like, just sing something simple like that. And we're like, that bad. <laughs> and that's the thing about us. We always had this creativity where it was a loose um thing where if um, nobody was like super super married to them idea where them can accept that something bad. They might still feel say, yo, this bad. Man, I clutch it in my in my vault and I go revisit it sometime in the future, but. We always went with this, um, with what the collective um, vibe was. And that's how Monitor Burn came in. And then it was for Tony Kelly. We're doing it up at Tony Kelly studio. Um, so we had the hook. And then I think for my verse, Tony wrote a lot of the verse. Definitely started it. He was like, hey, pretty baby, want to ask you a name? I like the way you move about using the same. I think he wrote, he wrote like uh, probably the first four lines and then I finished it off. But he wrote some of it. He gave, he gave me the, the format um and then craig may have written his his verse um and craig in, and then tony wrote a third verse um uh, whatever so we wrote a lot of it with tony um and at that time i think we had recorded our own a few more before but this was one where we felt like yo when this drop it had to be because tony was so excited about it he had he had somebody singing red red wine on it um and um him just had some songs like the, the mr easy mm-hmm. he was super and then of course he had he had the sean paul um i don't really care what people say so he had some great records where we knew that all we have for this have a nice song on this rhythm and it would definitely work so yeah that was the that was the vibe for that one yeah crazy crazy song there and next big one here from dave kelly was galangia how did that come up Ah, no, that wasn't Dave Kelly. That is um that is um Lenky. That is the Diwali rhythm. Yes, yes, sorry, sorry. I always yeah. mix up those. I always mix up that rhythm as a Dave Kelly rhythm for some strange reason. I don't know why. Yeah. So so it's interesting with, with Lenky because we were recording with Lenky from from before 2000. 
Um, he was really a amazing and still is like I would say he is the genius before Stephen the genius. Like him is a he's a mastermind. When you put him around a piano, um, I can't tell you how amazing this man is. This man is like on, on the classical level, like on some Beethoven and like them level. And I'm not exaggerating, right? Mm -hmm. um, but he had a lot of beats every day in Bill Beats and whatever, but he also worked closely with um, General Degree. You know, Degree also is a brilliant producer and a, have an ear for hits. So he was the one who worked with him. It's like it's like Lenky did have this beat from I don't know ten years before the beat, and then rise it up. So I don't know if them are listening to. I don't know how that process went, but I know that they dug it up, and I know they put the clap on it. And I think him and Tone, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think that um, Dave um, Lenky and Degree went in the studio and did the clap them and thing. And so by the time them link, by I don't know how did we hear about that rhythm. I mean, as I said, we were close with Tone, with, with, with Lenke. Also, his engineer was Zumje. Zumje was really his engineer at first, before he became right. his artist. Zumje was an engineer before he was an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was an engineer for... for um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he was an artist first, and then he went into engineering to help himself get set up as an artist. I don't know. But when I met him, he was an engineer, and... Um, and he was the real engineer for any time Lenky was doing work. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was like basically Lenky artist because he was really good. He had a sound very similar to Spraga. So anything that him do, definitely Lenky would have worked with him and make him get a song on the rhythm and put it together nicely. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't remember how we heard the beat. Probably Zoom J tell us about the beat, but we definitely went up there. Um, so what was happening for us then, we were writing so much that every hit rhythm we got, we were writing like two or three songs on the beat. And then um, we would record one and then have one in the, in the vault for the next beat. So like, that was written on a Tony Kelly rhythm. That was written on a, at a different studio. Uh, but we, had, we just had the melody. Mm -hmm. um, no, we had the words too. Expensive shopper and those things. Um, and then when we heard Diwali, it just fit perfect. So we just go flop them one by one. Galanga flop them two by two. Can you have a patapana? Can let's slap on a gal gata in a Galanga. And of course, that's a Miss Lou um, original, one by one. So, you know, we got Miss Lou as well. So we just knew that the rhythm had this bounce that that, that, that kind of melody would have fit perfect. And um, also, Galio lead. That's a, that's a fun fact. The chorus for Galio lead was written. And you know this rhythm, I think it's Americ the rhythm name. Um Ricardo have a song about we know climb on we know climb on all that if you that if we had a song on it with Spraga. But I think after we recorded the song with Spraga, the rhythm was playing and we came up with the Ga Not we, Alex came up with the Ga we said, girl, you are lead. And I think Shams actually built a rhythm for it. The actual mm -hmm. song that came out, Shams heard the melody and said, yo, that bad. And then built a rhythm for it and gave Bobby Condas as a production. So, so it, I'm just saying we're writing songs for beats and then going back and recording other beats, you know? Yeah. And that the funny thing with it, that song was another song on my list here. I have two more on this list here I want to ask you here. Solid mm -hmm. as a rock. How did that come up? 
All right, so solid as a rock was also interesting because we were at, um, by this time now, one of our key producers that we're working with is a guy named Christopher Birch. We met him, he was the keyboardist on, with Shaggy's band, um, and the first production that we did was this song called She's Hot, um, She's Blazing, and that was, he had built the beat. So after that, we kind of was recording for him. Anytime of a beat, we could find him a record. Um, and he had this rhythm named Military. Is Military? If I, no, Triller. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going more. What was reaching us is like we're traveling so much now that we definitely have to knock out some rhythm before we leave. Because when we tour, we're gone for two months, three months. So we have to say, yo, if Bircha come up with that rhythm, yeah, we have to make sure we lock that rhythm before we fly out. So we're at his house till like, I don't know, from eight in the night. We just couldn't find a song till like two in the morning. It was one of them, one of them hard rhythms to write for. Like, I think we're so, one of the things that is, is a gift and a curse with us is that we are not the type of artist to repeat a style or repeat. You, you can hear four of our hits and don't say the same artist. You can hear Money to Burn and, I don't know, Side as a Rock and don't say the same artist because each of us have a time when we carry the record and it's a different voice mm -hmm. so um we were trying all kind of things and i think at the last part I, it wasn't me really trying to do things i think it was more the singers our meaning that we were trying to do a, a melodious chorus mm -hmm. and i think in the last part me just get fed up again and i say yo many rise many drop but we solid as a and everybody say yo that bad run with it but I, it was partially like we're tired. We just have a run with something. But at the same time, so I was just like, yo, but I know, you know, I wasn't sure, but everybody was like, yeah, man, it's simple and perfect. Um, and it also was inter interesting because it came out at the time when Carter was just about for bus. And Carter did have a song where said, more life, more money, more life. So it kind of relate back to the topic because one is saying more life and one is saying we solid as a rock, you know. Um, um, and it was also a very personal song for us because we are say truly by this time you now we see enough artists rise and fall and we they are solid as a rock, you know. Um and so and we also knew that our third album, me as a strategist, I know that the third album was gonna be called Our World, and we were thinking about a theme of different um what you call it, elements. So we knew we wanted a rock record. We don't want something to say rock. And we also wanted to play around with rock. So when we perform live, we turn side as a rock into a rock thing. We're getting very creative with, with what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the record came out and it did well. You know, It did, did very well, both in the sound system world as well as on the charts, the Jamaican charts and so forth. Yeah, for sure. And this is another big, big international one. This was even outside of dancehall here. This was more on a different scale altogether. Was the shell it down with major laser? Major laser, yes. So that was that was late later on. No, that was like 2013, I think. So what did happen with that one was like big up Diplo. Them time they were on BlackBerry, I think, and me and Diplo was on. We had a line, open line of communication. So and also. One of the things with TOK is that um, a lot of the video directors in the in the two thousands is we first work with them or we give them that that first push, you know. Casa, mm -hmm. um, Ras Casa, mm -hmm. um, we we were the first person ever used. Like it wasn't even him was supposed to do the, the the video, and we said to him, "Yo, 
you have the talent, let's do this. And then come and it's the way where we evolved to be um, Nadia Rose. A lot of them were Jay Will also. Jay Will was doing videos before. I'm not gonna say we were the first, but he was resetting up himself in Jamaica. Um and you know, we, we had meeting with him and we used to say I'm serious, I was to say I'm having talent. Um and so um and and by that time he had done footprints, the first footprints video, he did it, which mm -hmm. bust up and bust him as a director. So this is uh, this is seven years later now. Shut it down. You might work now. He's the big man now. Jay Will is the big man, but he has always stayed cool, like people buck him anyways. There's no ego or facade or big headedness, you know, it's just like we're well, going bro and we're good. So we go check him and he said, Yo, I have something to show you. And him show me busy video. <laughs> I hope Jay, I hope you don't get in trouble for this. I hope, I hope, you know, I'm I'm this is my disclaimer, bro. You know, this is an interview I'm just talking, I'm, I'm sipping some champagne, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little, you know what I mean? But, um, he said, yo, you want to see this? So I'm see the I don't know if you see, you see the video for, for, for um, Busy Song? First, um, watch yeah. out for it. It was, like, crazy. And That's the rhythm, and the ba 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 So I said, yo, this bad. And he said, yo, uh, majorly is a new release. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I think we we're already doing another record for Diplo. So I'm gonna hit him up and say, "Yo, we're about to finish the record." And he said, "All right, cool." Um, and then I say, "Yo, um, I hear your record. I hear this busy way I have a job." And he say, "Yo, it's fire." I say, "Yeah." And he say, "You want a piece of the beat?" I'm say, oh, of course, I want a piece of the beat. <laughs> of course. So um, he sent it, and we go straight into the studio. Um, and again, I think Flex really came with that hook. Ole, ole, ole. Um, send it back to him, he love it. He said, yo, let's shoot a video. We link back Jay Will with our video. Um, and it was really one of those records that really helped us in terms of those years where 2013 onwards, when we're doing festivals, is a great chanting record. Ole, ole. And also with Latin America market. So it really, really was a, a big record for us, you know. Um, and big up Diplo for, for giving us a chance to shine upon the beat, you know. Yeah, you know, I spoke to Craig about this, but I want it from your version also. This is going to be the last time we're going to break down footprints, mm -hmm. all right? Because, again, that was a massive, massive, massive for you guys there. Right. From your side, how did that come around? All right, so footprints, actually, it, 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 I guess it was a year in the making, you know what I mean? So Alistair Brother, which to me is like one of the brothers for, for me as well, um gavin he died by a gunshot wound in 2003 november not november no it's birthday in november june 2003. um it really hit home for alex for his family and for us as an extended family um to the point where um to the point where like it was one of those was one of those painful losses you know what i mean because the youth was 18 was about to start in life you know and it's just over some foolishness some waste man you know so it really really shook me and i up to now i still feel the pain for that so um we knew somewhere along the line that we would do a record but we didn't really force it and i none of us ever said to alex you know when do you want a record you know but we knew it was coming um in the same breath, Gavin was like our biggest, 
one of our biggest fans as well. So he knew that we were just about to go international on our next level. Because by this time, Sean Paul got signed through VP to Atlantic. And Atlantic was, you know, picking up other people and pick up uh, Wayne Wonder. They, they were looking at us like, yo, you know, these guys are up next kind of thing. So all, all our mission was from She's Hot coming down to Gallia Lead to, you know, uh, Unknown Language. All those records was trying to find a, a, a solid crossover record. Um, and we got caught up in this American game to me personally, where you're so focused on getting a commercial record that you stop making music how you used to make music. You know, you were just like, I need to say this because this is a talk, or I need to say this because this is what will work on radio or whatever. So I personally got frustrated um, after giving VP like around three records. I, 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 when Gallia Lead was top eight at eight on Funk Flex show, mm -hmm. October. 2003 mm -hmm. vp didn't release a music video fight until april 2004 like six months after how hot the record was so when it released uh, when it premiered on on bt 106 on park a girl in the audience say oh i love this record i love this group i just don't know why it took so long to come so at those time my spirit was just down like yo i'm not trying to run down this thing so let me go back to yard and just make music from what i feel is real and um, one of the so we started to voice a lot of things by this time. Now, Dan is the man, and we did we get cool with Dan by this point. Um, so every time we're just hanging out up at Dan, anytime I've already come up there with voice, we knock out so we knock out like five I'm reading them one weekend kind of thing, you know. Um, and a lot of them was gun songs shooting people, we're so angry, I guess, you know. What I mean, um, so in the middle of that, one day we went to done was me and alex alone went i don't know why at flex and craig either didn't make it or so i don't know how but we were alone were there with dan and cool face and him start home the melody it's alex idea and start but when you cry i cry i cry along with you when you smile and all i could do was just sing the, the octave and just say when you smile and him going in them high voice um and then Oh no, Flex and Alex came. Flex and Craig came afterwards. Cause I remember them joking and saying, yo, and the sound like Ashford and Simpson, yo, they sound like some dude. <laughs> we were those, we were we used to run some very low, low blow jokes <laughs> with each other. Like we used to this one that I need. So I say, yo, the sound like Ashford and Simpson, brother. You know, tug out man or something like that. So anyway, we left, we went on tour. By the time we got up on tour, we didn't record the record though. Um, by the time we go up on tour, Dan released Rhythm, Jack Cure, a song, and Mash Up the Place, Morgan Heritage, Sizzler, um, Maxi Priest, Luciano, Jenkelman, like the whole Rhythm just a takeover. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, you know? So by the time we come back now, enough people don't realize, but part of TOK's journey, a lot of times our biggest songs is on the second batch of beats. Like the second batch of broke out, yeah. like, when we link with mana, when we said mana bad man with killer, that was a second batch of um juice rhythm. Um Hardcore Lover was a second batch of bodies, if I'm not mistaken. Um so this now the drop leaf rhythm it was already out and him saying I'm gonna drop a second batch. And Flex Alex I said, yo, we're gonna record the record. So we went on there Sunday day. Cause I remember when I wrote my verse and said early Sunday morning we get up and watching it was a real story that that Sunday I I had gone through the morning with my mom. Um, and we really, we recorded a record, 
this was like around I want to say it come out like around August two thousand and four, mm -hmm. um, and then we're gone again. We toured them. I think this is the first. We got Africa now. We're gone. Um, Kenya sold out. Uganda sold out. You know, we're all over the place. Um, I will come back to Jamaica like around October, November. Alexa say, "Yo, feels record. We need for shoot the video." I will link Jay. We will shoot the video. The video gets stolen the same night. Jay got to got to got to um got like a comedy show. When him come out, then broke in him. Either they stole the vehicle or then broke in the vehicle and steal the video. Met news, all kind of thing, trying the best to get it back. All kind of thing. I don't know what kind of miracle Jay Will did, but he got back the, the footage after some time. Mm -hmm. Video come out. Um, and I remember it was uh, the first time I heard it was at Cactus, not Cactus, Asylum. Mm -hmm. um, and the selector, because the selector didn't even know officer. I remember him saying, yo, I was sending somebody for say, yo, tell the man, he was playing a drop leaf for him. I think somebody tell him, say, yo, play TOK song. And I remember him saying, Oh no, our Bridging man, nobody never have to tell him. It's um Soltex. Our Bridging from Bridgeport was playing. And Soltex, yeah. no say I'm drop the song, but him say, yo, I don't even know what to say about that song. I don't even know what to say. I'm just drop it and you just hear the cry. I'm just see the place start shake. And I say, yo, I didn't even know. And by this is it's by the Christmas, it was undoubtedly the biggest song in a Jamaica. And the, the thing about it is. Bogle was very close to us, and mm -hmm. Bogle was just like, Yo, this and that, and very. And by the January, he died, you know what I mean? So it's like the record just, just became a, a, a way that people could communicate their emotions, uh, in, in going through a loss. Um, and it's on a big level, like the whole dancer industry could just, just take that song and help them soothe what they were going through with the loss of, um. Bogle. Um, and it was kind of this, this was like this um wildfire. It's like everywhere we go, mm -hmm. we would leave the song behind us, leave it with the radio, and then by two weeks, three weeks, the radio man called and said, Yo, the big so we're in Trinidad that year that 2005 now, Marshall invites us to do um Marshall Mondays at the time it was called AC3. Okay, and we mash up the place with him. We have a remix with him and Dougie Fresh and we'll come out and uh, unexpected and shell the place and we left the record. Now remember carnival season is like only carnival alone. Them I hear them don't hear nothing. But you know the day after carnival, a hundred percent Jamaican music. So mm -hmm. it's like the day after footprints just flood the place. And by the time we we'll, we'll, we'll get two calls from over there, are the biggest thing over there. We we'll go. Africa, when we left it over there, by the time we get two cars from over there, the biggest thing in the continent. So it was just like this trail that we're leaving behind us, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then by the summer of 2005, for me, what was very interesting is that it became the crossover record, the summer record for American radio. Now, for me, it's interesting because the year before, me, I bust my brain, I try to make a record for crossover. And this next year, we redefine radio. Before that, you would never have a reggae spiritual song in rotation on the urban station, right? Mm -hmm. the, time, the last song before that is Tupac, Dear Mama, and the last time before that is Crossroads with Bone Thousand Harmony. Never. And those are American artists. A Jamaican artist 
has never before took mm -hmm. a, such a reggae spiritual record and and get the success and it went straight on to the 106 and park and it was just and then we had to shoot like a video for it in the u.s market and it just became its own beast and it, up to this day the song just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so it was just one of those things where you know say yo it for me it was a message where like yo just follow your heart and make music from your heart and everything else will work itself out don't try to run it down you know what i mean and it's something that's that been with me till this day you know as a creative person it makes sense because you you lived it you tried to force it force it force it i'm gonna make this hit i'm gonna make this hit and you just right. put that in a corner and you create it from your heart and you probably made one of your that's possibly the tok's biggest song in your in your record. In, my, in, my, in my opinion yeah and mm -hmm. one thing about a creative you know when you're doing it for as long as i have done it my my standard is no longer just like making a song that Will be popular no i want a song that will stand the test of time i want a song that my grandchildren will be able to listen and relate to and footprints definitely is that record where as long as humanity is here and people going through that sadness of losing someone this is a record that will help them feel that um, consolation or feel you know some some form of condolences so it's it's an amazing record that god chose to to put through you and it it just put things into perspective for me like me feeling my pain and putting on a record mm -hmm. way more important or way more relatable to people than me singing what i think they want to hear you know what i mean yeah makes so much sense all right couple more tok before we get into your you tell me when my overdue it you can cut me when mm -hmm. it listen your stories are crazy your memory and how you remember it is so crazy and I mean, and vivid. I feel like I'm there and watch it too. All right. You talked about festivals and stuff. Do you remember yeah. what your craziest TOK tour was? <sighs> wow, the craziest TOK tour. Ah, there are so many. Mm -hmm. There are so many. I mean, it depends on what metric you're calling crazy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> is it fun reaction? Is it um, crowd size? Is it um crowd response is it um just the whole energy it's like from beginning to end this whole energy everything was just so wild yeah i mean all right so japan in itself is a whole beast to itself for, for mm -hmm. tok japan concerts i mean when we did mighty Crown concert i think that was either i think it, the capacity of the place is i want to say fifty thousand. um and I want 150,000. I really don't know, but somewhere between 40, 50, and it could be over 100. I don't know. Um, and yeah, that was crazy. For City Crocker, we's a high energy, you know, the four of us jumping and the four, and then that's the thing with our concerts, the, the crowd always responds. So even if a crowd don't even know, so they have that energy by the time the four of us come out and say, um fire fire we don't need no or whatever we're singing you know, or the whole crowd just got crazy you know um europe um kimsey and summer jam i think summer jam was one of the most monumental for us because it was a year when we had gotten germany what we do is we like to do concerts in a way that it it showed that we show the audience that we understand them were put thought into the performance for that crowd um and what was interesting with that was that berlin germany was in the world cup so we got the world cup jerseys authentic jerseys with our names on the back 
Um, and that day when we had the concert, it was a um, it was a football match between Germany and Argentina, and Germany gave Argentina four love. Mm. It's when we step out, so the the whole crowd is already in high energy because we were the first performance after the football match. As a, as a matter of fact, the festival paused for the football match. So afterwards, we were the first act for come out. And you see, when we come out in the fourth jersey and turn back to the crowd like some Michael Jackson thing and pose and them see the four name them, mm -hmm. I would pose like for around 10 seconds and they would pose again and say, Germany, fear nil. You got to tell them in a them language, for love. And them say, four away. And we I say, four away. Come out, yo. We couldn't do no wrong for that concert. We have the place crazy. That was one of them. Um, Kenya too. Mm -hmm. Kenya would say, um, as the crowd tear down the fence. Guyana, the, the first time we go Guyana, we tear down the stadium fence. The people tear down the fence for coming. The the prime minister said, yo, we no one back to okay in our fifty cent. We don't want none of them man the back in our place. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> and we are much up the stadium, then we come back like around four years later. Mm -hmm. We do the third park, we do the park. And the man they mashed on the fence with that too. So they, it's funny because now I'm I know I'm in a different place where I do business with some of the you know government agencies and so forth. So it's funny for me because it's like back then you would never think that that the dudes that were doing that can be so corporate and so professional, you know. But yeah, we were we're mashing up the place when we did. Where else can I remember? Um, Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica was the biggest crowd in one place. Like, and we went, we went in, we went crazy on them. Um, there's so many of them. There's so many of them. So many concerts. I mean, definitely Japan, definitely Latin America, definitely um, Caribbean, uh, Europe. You know, I could go on, but yeah, yeah, a whole heap of concerts. Okay, so then what was actually the worst night for you guys on stage where nothing was working, nothing could go right, the crowd wasn't responding, some it was the worst night you could remember you guys were on stage. You mean after we after we're big superstars or yeah. before? Yeah. Um there was there was a concert in it wasn't even a concert like a festival, it was like a club show. Mm -hmm. Um the song was as horrible. The lighting was horrible. Everything was horrible. It was the last show of an amazing tour, actually. But we just read him and we just say, oh, all right, the promoter said, we'll give you a little food for commerce. And, you know, my tour manager was like, yo, I don't know this youth in them, but he might pay money. I was like, all right, we could just go for the food. And and the man don't know nothing about nothing, the thing that set up. So the, the one microphone, big superstar, we actually share one microphone. It was the worst. It was the worst. I don't want to call his name, but him also on my list. I, I, I've never done any concerts for that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, that was one of them. There were also some shows where, um, where it just never worked because we were at a different point in our career. There was a point where we were more international than local. Mm -hmm. And so if you put us on a certain type of show, mm -hmm. um, we have, we have to work extra hard for move the crowd because by that time we stopped doing this street music and whatever. Now we have a lot of commercial records. So if you put in a high school or anywhere with girls, it'd go crazy. But if you put us on certain, um, you know, probably even the same West Kingston Jamboree, we were one time the biggest thing, man, shot a fire when we were singing certain songs. And then at another point, we'd have to work hard for really 
big up the crowd because by this time all the crowd see us as you know international stars um so i think at one point we had a little challenge we had to restructure our shows to get to dig out those forwards but um i wouldn't say i've ever had any bad 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 experience other than that technical one like we've never we've never because it's a group and because you have four members we can easily give each other energy and once you see the four of us with energy whether it's one person in the crowd or 10 or a thousand they normally get into it you know so we never really have bad shows unless there's some technical thing or if we're sick you know sometimes a man in the early europe tours um that time they were still smoking aloud in the buildings and of course we'd have come out of the tour and going on the tour bus and wet shirt and so there are some shows when man voice gone or are nearly gone and raffle a man have to sing that money apart and so forth um but nothing outside of those little difficulties you know I get that a hundred percent. And was there ever a situation where you guys would be arguing backstage and they say next TOK and three minutes later or five minutes later, you guys got to get into show business and go do this show, come off stage and get right back to arguing again. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess there was, it's our thing wasn't one of the problems I have. I think we had was that we were never overt with our, our, um, problems that we have with each other. So it would be more like this man and this man over here whisper and say, oh. so it was never like a big argument before a show. Um, I think there has been like one time when me and Flex have a big argument after a show. I think there's one time with Craig and like there probably a one time with everybody, but it was never like a big group cuss. We never had that. What we would do is after the shows when we drive it like, as a matter of fact, not after the show, everywhere we were going, Mm -hmm. Anywhere we're traveling, once we're in a bus driving from the from the um the, the airport to the venue or the airport to the hotel or the ho anywhere we're driving or to the radio station, we were always arguing. We're <laughs> always we're always not on the same page. We're four strong people, strong-minded people. We have mm -hmm. different opinions. Um and we also have different take on each other. So a man might know me and say, yo. So basically go on, so on, so on, whatever. So there were always fundamental differences between us. And it would come out in like strong debates um, over any topic. Anything I bring up would have strong debates. But we were never the type for be cussing each other. And I've like lost some bridge in them, but when you say lost them link up, I'd be a BC and RC them and tell them one another. But them just do it almost like it's a joke. And then them can get back on the stage. And we, if we were to tell each other about them level of cussing, man would have vexed with years we're not, we're not we're not really talk rude to each other you know what i mean we'll have strong difference of opinions but we always have been respectful of each other um and how we speak to each other that makes sense this is a two two-part question mm -hmm. when would you say was the pinnacle of tok and when would you say was the lowest point in the group's career i would say the pinnacle was 2006 2005 between 2005 and 2006 footprints i would say is the peak of our um trajectory in terms of mm -hmm. releasing hits mm -hmm. um i think we have not surpassed footprints since 2005 mm -hmm. when it came up 2004 so i would say that's a peak of our musical releases mm -hmm. but how music work is you can have a peak record and then you get the spoils of it even years after so mm -hmm. even though we never had a hit that was bigger than that, just, just by having a record like Guardian Angel, 
with sounds a little like footprints and then was this big record in um japan it could give us a lot of you know album requests and dub plates and bookings and so forth so we're still very good even though that was a peak of our record release um and then i would say the lowest point um hmm, the lowest point for us i would say the lowest point is when we broke up in 20 and i, I don't like to use the term break up but like when we, we pause or when we took a hiatus or you know um or we'll pause what we're doing as a collective um i think right before that it was getting ugly because you know flex was saying stuff in interviews and you know other people were saying you know, it was just it was too open and you know too much in the public space and that's not what the public knows to be they like the fact that TOK always clean cut and you know really hearing a bad mix up with them so it was just that, that i think to me as a fan looking on that was some of the the worst parts um but but other than that i think we kind of kept a clean record you know mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Since you since you brought up the breakup, let's go the pause, the breakup, the yeah. okay, we'll get back to it later type of thing. Yeah. For, for you, what was the real catalyst in that right there? Um, I think Craig captured it well when um in his interview. I think it really was a thing that we had grown, we had outgrown the unit. Um and I think for me personally. As I said in earlier in the interview, I'm a type of person I don't really set things unless I plan out what I do. And I don't really make emotional moves like that. If I say I do something, that means I'm sit down and make up my mind and say, I saw me ago and God go with it if you try to convince me otherwise at that point. Um, so I had already started doing um, solo stuff. All of we were doing solo stuff because for me, if you go back to when I started musically, it was really about the beats. It was really about you know, the production. So for me, by the time we reach 2003, actually, no, sorry, 2001, mm -hmm. I started my label. Because this year, I'm celebrating 20 years since I have Bamrush Records, you know. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, so from that time, we, one of the early productions was with Bounty Killer. We had, um, I did early Saskon on his first album. I did a lot of productions, but outside of TOK, because for me, I was looking at Bob and I said, yo, the reason why Bob family can live on is because I'm starting Tough Down International, so I have to start my label. So from very early, I know that I got the Bamash Records. Um, but we still kept it in the family. I still, I produced TOKs for Bamash Records. Um, people voice, members of the group voice from a solo with other artists. So it was still a collective movement. Um, I think when, um, when things started to happen for me where I say, yo, uh, I think maybe the first time was when Craig did that whole thing about um, not recording with the group. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like, yo, because um, he did that, I think, when, if I'm not mistaken, is when, um, when my son, my, sec my second son was on his way. Uh, but I just I don't remember. But I remember he said announced it right before a tour. So I remember thinking my tour money can get messed up. Um, it was right before the album. Um, I'm thinking my album money can get messed up, and I'm thinking like I have my youth come now. I really can't take the risk. So for me, I just look at it like you see musicians really and truly. Musicians are crazy people. Like we are, <laughs> we are really crazy people. But me, you know, channel my craziness 
in a controlled way. It's anytime we see three other brothers that I have that are brilliant minded, very intelligent, went to the best of schools and they make unintelligent decisions, it met me say, this is time when I need to protect my, my empire. So from, I think at that time I say, yo, and I saw where he said that his, his, his idea was to um, be strategic about getting off the label uh, um, in your interview. So that's interesting to hear that take on it, you know what I mean? Um, but for me at the time, I felt that my, my um, it was too risky for me. So at that moment, from that moment on, I say, yo, I'm going to defend my thing, I'm going to set my thing, I'm going to always have somewhere. Tomorrow, the man decides to say, no, I'm not drop flat-footed. Um, so I started to pre like an album. Also, before 2009, I did the Naya rhythm, and Craig spoke about this, Joe passing. <laughs> Thank you. And, and when Joe passed, it kind of put things in perspective to me because it's a little deep for me because... <clears throat> I had been producing so much rhythms before that I was getting caught up in just trying to compete with the dancer guys. Um, I had bought a house in the mountains and I just went up in the mountains and say, yo, now go play what me fee for play. And I played Nabingi, the first rhythm I built at my house in the mountains. Um, and it's surprising to me, I get Sizzler from, I've wanted the voice Sizzler whole long, Sizzler voice from the rhythm. Taurus, I'm here bridging, but I've never had a voice from it. Taurus voice is amazing, record Shaka Zulu. Busy and Cabra do a record together upon the thing. Cabra just get shot, Cabra believe in a, in a resting time, come at the studio for record the record. I'm like, yo, look on this. This is exactly what, like footprints, like me just follow my heart and make music what feel right to me and I'm getting all these blessings. So. When Mr. Mago did the launch at the time, Raging Fire was just coming up, and Raging Fire had this thing named Wiki Wacky Beach. So I said, All right, be strategic. Me try if I do a Nibing launch um, by myself, you know, guarantee some draw crowd. Let me go and partner with them. So I'm a partner with them and do them thing, and then we would close off the night with the Nibing launch. By the time we're ready for do the launch, first of all, I'm nervous. Despite being this big artist and whatever, I'm nervous how much support I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. So I was messaging everybody the day and say, yo, remember some thing later, you know, whatever, whatever. And Joe was the only one who messaged me back and said, yo, your thing I got shot, dog. Don't worry yourself. And I remember after I was thinking to myself and said, oh, little Joe can be so confident in me. I mean, I doubt myself. I mean, I say, yo, I'm writing back and say, yo, give thanks for the, you, you don't even know how you strengthened me up in that moment. So we call me now at the launch, boom, boom, boom. We know that he's sick like from a year before or two years before because he had a, a boat before, but we thought it was cool. Mm -hmm. So the police now come here and say, boy, they're going to lock it off because it's after hours and whatever. So we reach a decision now where we can't do a full launch where everybody's going to come and sing their own song. We have to bomb rush it like the label and just do like a line. Everybody do a line. A so my artists, yeah, so my artists come out, sleep. I tell everybody, one verse, chorus, out. Because I want to make sure that I get the um, conscience and... and, and um, and Taurus in, then would be the last artist. So TOK started first, one verse, chorus, then Sleepy come in, one chorus, verse, then Monster Twins, one chorus, verse, and um, Shane, one thing, and then Little Joe come in, mm -hmm. and him sing a verse, and him say chorus, and my turn to, you, you can watch the video, my turn to my artist Sleepy, for, he was the one letting up the artist them, and I said, let up Shane know, um, and him say, and him look for me, Joe look for me, him do a dance, and turn around and look for me. And then I mean, after myself, um, Shane, I said, all right, nobody, nobody, sing out your song, youth. 
that's the last time the man get for sing. The, he was the only man on the stage where I get for sing out the entire part, the entire song in the three verses. Crazy. And the, the, the next morning, no. So when him leave, when we don't know everything, and Taros come up and everybody and we close up. Um, Taros said to him, say, yo, something to him, and him say, yo, I'm ready for live, I'm ready for life. And that him said the last thing to Taros. So the next morning, when we hear say, him stay at the hospital, and then by the afternoon, we hear him dead. It really shaped me. It really, really shaped me. And then sleeping, all my artists look for me and say, yo, bro, but you know, understand. Suppose you never did give him the, the, the whole of that song for singing. You can imagine how you'd have feel now. So you actually give him that last dance. You know what I mean? You give him that opportunity to do that last performance. Um, and it just put things into my head, my perspective. Like it just changed my whole outlook. Like, man, now we're at the second day of the year. Mm -hmm. I've already recorded five songs since the year start. Okay. We record three years to them, record two today, and depending on what time we don't know, I might go and do our next record. You know what I mean? Working. Yeah, that's how serious I am, a militant I am, to creating and make sure that you record something that, because if you don't capture it, then it can't, even if it's later down, your son going to take it up, or somebody going to capture it and say, yo, that bad, and turn it into something, you must always capture your creativity as soon as you're inspired. That's why I have a microphone right now if I need to record something. Um, and that's that's kind of where I was like, yo, half of us do me and record music. I'm all for recording with the group, but I I can't not I can't hold back the other set of creativity that that's coming out to me. Um, and so there was that thing when Craig did that, and it kind of fueled me more to do what I was doing. Um, and then in 2015, when when Flex really said that he was leaving. I'm like, yo, I, I came back to hear my voice saying, yo, my father's voice saying, yo, you know, I ain't on a background for nothing, you know. So for me, it's like, if the group is shattering, mm -hmm. let me just stand up as my own boss. Now, I'm not going to be there with three of us trying to do what TOK was in TOK instead of TOK until it's too okay, then it's just not okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, for me, it's just like, nah, let me just go yeah. do me. Let me just go do me. And it was a it was a it was a heated discussion that breakup um or that that falling out um and i was definitely the one who said yo like i'm out you know i'm just leaving the whatsapp group and i was just like doing my own thing for a long time and um it was really really tense at that moment because the jam rock cruise was i think one of the last shows we did mm -hmm. um as a group it was a cruise for 2015 i want to say um by, that, by this now, it was announced, because by this time I had done the on-stage interview, so everybody heard my side, people know Flex was out. Um, and I think in the other members, I think Alex and, and Craig probably really felt um, stranded, like left abandoned, you know, because it's just out of nowhere, they never see that coming. Um, but I had to do that, and um, it took us a little while to get back to a civil place where we could meet and, and because um, I had a heart-to-heart -heart with Flex and Alexa as well, and it was just like, yo, this is how I felt. This is where I am. It's all love. Like, Alex's brother is tattooed on, on, on my arm, you know? Like, okay. Alex will always be my brother. Flex will always be my brother. Craig will always be my brother. And um, and then families will always be my, like, my extended family. But what I, how I look at it is like, yo, if four brothers live together and we have one house and everybody have a room, and we are trying to build this house and, you know, we build our next room and you extend your room a little bit and you have a nice house now, a big house now, every man of them, them quarters. Um, 
And then a little bit after that, me get a girl now and me get a youth now. Me I go on to build my own house. But it don't mean that I have to tear down the house that we grew up with as brothers. It, it just means that I have to build my house. And every now and again, we might want to come back at the house and eat a, a dinner. You know, eat a food uh, in the family house and gone. So that's kind of how I look at it. Like we had to evolve. Um, and, it, and it's been the happiest time of my life, actually, to, to be on this solar journey and just to have a total autonomy and, and accountability for my, my, my creative journey. Um, but yeah, the transition was a little ugly, I think, uh, a little awkward for us, you know. Yeah. All right, because even you as a solo artist now, because remember, you're part of TOK, and I know sometimes being a group, you could get swallowed up, so you don't really have your own identity as basic. We hear the name, you know, but you right. don't really have that identity. So how right. hard was it for you to now reestablish yourself now as a solo artist opposed to TOK, that brand now? It was very, very hard. It was very, very, very hard. And I, and I would say, I think um, if I didn't have a stoic personality and a person who had a plan and understand what I had to do, I think I probably would have um, lost faith because I knew specifically mm -hmm. that I had to rebuild. And I knew specifically that even though I have this um, asset or this wealth of experience and knowledge and history to, to, to verify me as a legend in other music, I knew that I had to strip myself of that and rebuild from scratch. So what I did was follow strict principles. I set a five-year plan, so I knew where I wanted to be at 2020. So that gave me the stability. So even if me not fully I get the response from one get in the first three months. I know that it's not about these first three months, but it's about 60 months. You know what I mean? Um, I also brought that down to two-year, one-year goal. So I had an annual goal from, mm -hmm. from when I went solo. Um, I knew what I wanted to do in terms of um, my first album because what had happened was when I was recording Naya Bingi Rhythm, I was in the spiritual space. I had written a song called Holy Temple from 2010. Big, big, big. Thank you. So from 2010, I had that record, and I knew that when I go solo and when I drop an album, this is what it's going to be. Um, that time we recorded a song named The Voice, and we went to Israel to shoot the video. I had written Holy Temple, and I would written another song called Better Must Come. I started to play the guitar a lot more now. Okay. So this is, this is we're still as a group, you know. We're still our group. Um, and we went to Israel to shoot the video. And the, and the producer, the director, is a, is a youth named Benjamin Litsky. We meet him through our, through, our, through our booking agent. And I'm downstairs playing Better Must Come. And him walk down and just start record. And I was just very impressed by anybody who don't wait for us not them to start record. It means that they're more about the creativity than any, anything else, you know. So I'm recording it, I'm, he recorded it, and when we done play it, he said to me, um, when you finish that song, I want, I want when, you find a, when you record that song, I want to shoot the video. I'm going to say, you, you just remember you said that to me because I'm going to hold it to that. Mm -hmm. I had written two verses of Holy Temple when I went to Israel, before I went to Israel. It's about time I come back, but write the third verse specifically about my journey. So the third verse will say, went to the mountains of Jerusalem, from the borders of Bethlehem with three kings and Benjamin. The three kings I'm talking about is the other three members of TOK 
And Benjamin is that director that was with us because we were on the mountains of Jerusalem and we were looking across to, to um, Bethlehem. I recall that 2010, 2011 maybe. Yeah. And I had to sit down with that song there. I don't, don't so go on, make music, go on, make music. Got solo now. I said, all right, my need for the better must come. Record some songs. By 20, we know someone want to do an EP first. We drop the EP. Benjamin, by this time, I'm Benjamin Cool. So Benjamin flies to, to um, Berlin, where I'm at now, and shoot two videos for me. For, for I for an eye and better must come. Mm -hmm. I say, yo, things are falling into place. Exactly. This is seven, this is six years later, you know, but me know how it had to fall into place. Mm -hmm. Like a year later, I send him my final album for Holy Temple. I'm gonna say, cause by this time now, he's like the person, my first option for visuals. Mm -hmm. Somebody I met seven years ago. And I just listen to songs and tell me what you think. And he messaged me back and said, yo, that song name, Holy Temple, bro. That song there, bad, bad, bad. I have to shoot that video then. I have to shoot that video. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send a voice note and say, bro, you see that third verse? Mm -hmm. I was talking about you from seven years ago. And I knew that you would love this song. And I knew that you'd want to do this video because I speak it into being from seven years ago. See? Then now, we say, we say, yo, I'm coming to Israel. And we're going to shoot the video in a Jerusalem. See? And it so happens say my pops end up saying my, my, he's on a spiritual journey too. So even though we fell out 20 years before for me doing music, by this time now we're close. And him saying, fly with me. As a matter of fact, he put on, he, he really um, gave me the trip as, as a gift. So it's really him. I, I should have big up because he was the one who coordinated the flight and um, okay. over there. Um, big him up because I met with fly first class, go to Israel, you know what I mean? Um, and then when we land now, it so happened that when we were ready for shoot the video, Benjamin said, yo, why don't make your father play the priest in the video? I said, what? We never think about it. And Pop said, yo, I'm ready, I'm ready. So the video and the song become this connection and almost closing a loop on so many different things. It's closing the loop on that connection with my father from starting music to having my first solo album, him being the, playing the, the lead role in, the, in the, the, the title track. It's also the full circle with Benjamin because he said to me, I'm going to shoot the video for you. I'm going to say, you, you just hold on. And I bring that back to him. And also for me, it was, a, it was a spiritual album because I knew that I don't have a big label behind me and it's not going to be a commercially successful album, but it, it was a critically acclaimed album because it was me standing up as my own artist and saying, this is my identity. This is my spirituality. And... For me, I know so I'm going to end up coming with dancing music and you know party music, but just like if you're going to eat a meal and you say a prayer first, I wanted my first thing that I released to be a spiritual thing to identify who I am. And then now we have to work on the new album and take it back to the, the vibes of dance. So it was a full circle for me to do that album. Um, and it really came from that whole Israel trip, you know, and, and it's kind of like a full circle to do that. And I think. That was also one of the goals in my five-year goal, and that was that was really supposed to be at 2020, and I did it in 2018. So I'm really able to say that I closed off everything that I wanted to do in the five-year plan from three years. In three you know? years. Yeah, that's and, and that's why I built the name. I just kept on touring. I kept on building a network. I, I, I always build good relationships. Basically, I approach my career as a good businessman. I set goals. I set reasonable prices i offer services i can write i can um, i have this whole other thing listening news that i can customize content for clients so i i really 
have redefined my name and I think now I'm starting to see the fruition of it. Like my Spotify numbers are really good, my following good. When I drop content, it's really, really supported and DJs playing it without me really asking them. So I feel like now people really getting into bass and say, all right, this is who bass is. And, and of course, when I'm, when I'm going to king bass on them, say, all right, I like it. No, yeah, yeah, take the note that you are the king in this bass thing. And, you know, people like that assertiveness. So, yeah, it's, it's all into place how I like no no definitely big 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 and talking about the ep holy temple one of my favorite visuals off of it was poltergeist i think it was yeah poltergeist yeah. on the top of the alps yeah yeah crazy yeah. crazy crazy yeah, how, do, how do you even come up with that way of do it of that way of thinking so for me i have just two things one i have to leverage what what is about me and the key thing about me is i'm definitely a global citizen um i see myself as a 100 dancehall artist but as a dancehall ambassador as well like i am carrying jamaica to the world um and so i'm i'm able to travel different places and anywhere that i travel that is unique that i probably have never seen a dancehall artist record something there are just picturesque and just aesthetically beautiful i want to use that to capture um visuals and so you find that for the Holy Temple album, a lot of the visuals is me on a journey, is me walking through the desert, is me walking through the, the, the snows, because the album is supposed to really be about me searching for something. Um, and I was blessed enough where Benjamin was, he saw the vision and he kept coming everywhere. I asked him to go, so if I say Alps, him say, yo, I'm ready, and I'm dead, and I'm bring the drone, and we do this amazing shot on top of the Alps. If I say Lime Key, I'm fly come to Jamaica, and we shoot it out of Lime Key. And then, the album have two sides, right? It have the spirituality and it also have the, the romance or the love side mm -hmm. of it, which is a personal with me and my my partner, my wife. So basically, we wanted to capture that in the whole process as well, where the only other person that you see outside of me is my significant other in some of the love records, you know? Um, and I think it came, across, it came across well, and I think those visuals will stand the test of time as well. Okay? You know, definitely. And when I seen that all the visuals were shot by one person, you're saying it's Benjamin. I said, you know what? That's dope because he understands what's in your right. mind. And it's almost like you guys are looking at each other and you don't have to say anything. He knows what you want or you even know what he wants from you just right. to get this done. Yeah. And also he's because we work so long, so, so much together. He, the comfort level that he has, he can push me beyond because sometimes when I, Directors working with an artist or a star, you know, they don't want to push them too much. But he was like screaming at me because the snow one, <laughs> me never really in the snow thing. As much as I would travel the world or whatever, me never walking at them level of snow there before. Yeah. So one time I step and I swear the snow, I'm dropping a hole where the snow come up to like here. So, so I'm kind of shaking on me. I say, yo, me don't want to drop in an avalanche or not. They think the hole is dropping. So I'm crawl out of it. And then he might tell me for walk and next place. And I said, bro, I'm gonna trust the snow there. And he said, yo, mm -hmm. like he might get mad for me. I said, you pussy, you're a pussy, go, go. And I said, yo, you know, I said, only you alone can talk to me like that joke. <laughs> Benjamin, don't run that joke with me. Who are you talking? I said, go. He said, full power, motherfucker. Full yeah. power, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. So he really, but, but I have to take out my hands to him because. He knew what he wanted, and as I said, he understood how to communicate in the car. It's not anybody anybody could talk to me, so and I don't and I overlook the, the the disrespect in the moment, the rudeness in the moment to understand that I'm going for something. Um and and I and I still complied, you know. 
So yeah, yeah, big up Benjamin Litsky, man. He, he is amazing video director from Israel. No, that was big there. And then I know another song that you recorded with um, Walshy Fire and two other people. I said I'm yeah. going to remember how to pronounce this, this name of the song, but please tell me the name of the song. Uh, the song is called Muevelo. It, um, it's yes. probably the most successful record for 2020. Um, surpassed 1 million streams on Spotify, so big up for that. Big up to all of the fans. Then we have stream the thing and keep up and keep the numbers going. Big up. Um, yeah, big up to Walshi though, because Walshi is part of Major Laser, but he also does a lot of other stuff. He's, he's super busy, super talented. Um, and he was somebody who I wanted to work with for a long time, you know. And so one of the disadvantages of being as big or in the game as long as I am is like sometimes we have a thing named first sale. So sometimes you want to work with somebody, but nobody's like making the first move. So I was seeing him like traveling and we're in a plane together, and I'm, I'm like, yo. But one work with a youth, but I hold it out, you know, me I hold my forward, you know. Um, and I think somewhere along the line, I just like I think he probably on a WhatsApp mother say, Yo, if you don't make a move, nobody now gonna make a move. So I just mess send him a voice out and say, Yo, I'm working you know, anytime you have nothing, just let me know because I'm willing and I'm saying, Oh, I'm so happy you said that because I have so many beats and I don't have the right, and your voice would be perfect. So I did like I did a few records with him, um, with third party producers or him and somebody else. Um, and Muevelo was one of the first, one of the earlier ones, and you know, Tribal Kush came on as the person. So I think did the beat and DJ Moise as the producer and the record label. And it's just it's just more powerful when you have so many different people that are passionate about it working together. Um, so yeah, it, the record really did well and it continues to grow. Um, and for my new album that I'm working on now, um, we're definitely we have some more of that flavor on on the project, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I know another one because it seems like you're heavy in the European dance yeah. hall type of scene, which another yeah. one that you had put out was um they can't do it like we like we do. Yeah, like we do. That one is pretty recent. Like we do came out like around October, but it's really doing well for the, since since it came out. Um, yeah, because like, like we do now is a similar vibe, but it's a Belgium family now. That is DJ Septic and um, Jave Sire, and um. It's funny enough because I had done like a dub plate for one of them and the virgin took the dub plate and build a beat or him chop up some of the vocals and build a beat around the dub plate vocal. And then him send it to me and say, yo, this is what I'm going to do. What you think about it? I'm going to say, yeah, it sounds cool, but if you want, just send the beat and we'll do something. And him send the beat um, and, and, I, and that's what I did. And the thing with me is that, like, as I said, creativity just coming out so every time i get a beat like i have a lot of beats now i'm writing to and i guarantee you you know probably by the week by seven days by january 7th i probably surpassed 20 records for the for the year i have a time when i just in a zone and i record a lot and then i have a time when um i just kind of focus on some other stuff that i'm doing you know so no i'm definitely in a zone and um and, and like we do was one of those songs that came out in the zone yeah definitely and i know right now Heading into 2021, it was your big song that you're promoting right now is loyalty. All right. Yeah, loyalty. Yeah, loyalty is and, and loyalty is also another full circle record because the producer of it is the same person, Stephen Gray, who did TOK's first song ever, that first manager from 1996. It so happened that when I moved to the mountains and started my label. There was another, where I live in the mountains, it's just like three houses or four houses yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Like it's, yeah. it's like coffee, coffee, um, 
heaven, but not a lot of houses there. Um, and there was a house that was for sale next door, and then he bought it randomly. So, you know, this Bridging, who is my manager from 20 years ago, now ended up just being my neighbor. Um, and we've always kept it close. So, in saying I'm going back into production, mm-hmm. and he sent the beat and um, knocked it out. I think I recorded that song from last year, you know, where we took our time and man and uh, mixed it and harmony it up and pretty it up and whatever. And um, I'm really happy with the, with, the, with the final release now. So, it's out now. Everybody can check it out. Loyalty. And of course, I have my daughter and my son, my two younger kids, and singing harmonies on it. My three year old daughter, my seven year old son. So it's a joy for me. Um, and of course, it's a very personal record. Like I talk about my family and hope we are grew up and some of the experiences. And I also shout out TOK and show loyalty to them. So it's an interesting record that people should check out. You know, just the whole loyalty that I have to the game and, you know, to my family and my friends. Talking about full circle moment, because you brought up your father a couple times well in this conversation. Mm-hmm. One really full circle moment I could say is when you put up a picture on Instagram, say that this was one of your proudest moments when they were at the launch of the EP for Holy yeah. Temple. Yeah, my mom and my dad, yeah, because, um, you know, when you reach, it's like for me, there's, there's sometimes a deeper joy than just doing something. It's really what it means, you know, the significance of it. And Holy Temple is significant to me because it is my first solo album. And I just want to share this story. You see, when the group split up, um, instantly I was getting calls to come on tour. Um, and my first Europe tour, mm-hmm. my first show was in a club in Wuppertal. Um, Germany and all the years of TOK, I was never nervous before a show. Never, I've never had this thing called stage fright. For me, it's kind of like yo. For me, it don't matter if the crowd like it. For me, bad. For me, bad. Me bad. If you like it too, that's great. But I'm performing just because I love music. You know, <laughs> it's good if you like it too. But I really perform because I love music. Um, but this show, I was nervous for the first time in my life, and. Because I just didn't know what the crowd was expecting, you know, I didn't know how the crowd would react to my new material. Like, you know, I just didn't know. It was just a new space for me. And let me tell you something, bro. You see, I'm gonna take the microphone after the intro. I'm gonna take the microphone and I say, "Yo, yo, yo," and the whole club hear my dirty stinking voice, and the whole place turn upside down. Mm-hmm. But just hear God look for me and say, "Youth, it's your voice, a your voice." You don't ever doubt your voice. Come and give you your voice for you. And I felt like, yo, I had gotten so caught up in offering, to, of being 25% of 100, mm-hmm. that I had forgotten my 100%. That's exactly what I feel. And I, can't, I still feel it to this day. Like I had been so used to contributing to some magic, to something that's really amazing. Like, you know, it's, the TOK legacy is amazing, but... I got so used to just doing a verse here or just being a part of it that I forgot that my voice is a hell of a voice that people love for me. And that was one of the things that made me very confident moving forward that the Basie brand will stand up because as long as I have my voice and as long as I can DJ on a rhythm, me will always stand up. When you hear me, you know that's Basie. That's, that's one of the blessings that I have. I have um, signature, I have sound signature. So um, 
to come full back to that now it's like to do an album now and come out with a solo album it was another step from that journey and that self-awareness um and then to have my parents there it really was it meant a lot because um, my mom really was my only supporter amongst my family you know what i mean my mom was the one that was saying boy i know you're serious about this thing but maybe you should just get a little degree first and when you get a degree then you can do it and i said mommy this one i said this is what i do from 14 this is what i'm doing so for her to see me come out with my project solo uh, maybe she herself was wondering if we got solo how it ever go. By that time, she done not see okay, so amazing. So she probably was wondering like, can he really stand up on his own? Um, and and so for them to see that and to be a part of that um, was really really cool. And the proudest moment also before that was to carry my mom on tour in 2017. Like I carried her on tour, and of course she hears some bad words, but she never knows her son Mozart. When you when you get mad with the crowd, I say, yo, turn up that. You see me, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it was it was amazing. First, to see five thousand people just move into everything, and I'm like a maestro. I, I I don't like to toot my own horn, but I definitely can perform. I'm I'm in control of the stage. I'm in control of the audience, and I'm I keep it. I, I carry them on a musical journey and an emotional journey. So to carry my mom there, to have my father in in um, Israel, and also to have my son, my younger son Amani. When I did that tour with, with uh, my mom and my wife. I brought him out on the stage for the first time, you know? Um, and that was that was really, really special to hear 5,000 people saying, hello, I'm You know, it was it was crazy. So it's been it's been a great journey for me, you know? I, I really can't makes, makes a lot of sense here. Somebody like you that's been in the business as long as you have, how important is it to have a hit in Jamaica opposed to having a hit in other places? Um, it's important to have a hit in Jamaica because that's where you get the credibility and you get that um, virality or, or the, the spread of it across the diaspora and so forth. So mm-hmm. there are two sides to it. You can have a record like, I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. Where, I mean, just the placement in Madagascar, kids around the world, for a very long time, will know that song. I don't think that song was a big song in Jamaica when I was a teenager when it came out. We we knew it and loved it, but it wasn't playing in the dance. It was like a it was like a dance record, you know what I mean? So that's a good example of something that is not hitting in Jamaica, but can financially be very rewarding. Also, just have that that stamp around the world that that um, is beyond your, your core market. Um, but at the same time, having a record in the dancing in the dance hall in the Jamaica scene gives you a credibility that no, no matter how big a record is around the world, if you don't get that stamp of approval, it's not the same, you know. Because instantly, once you get a hit in Jamaica, first of all, the Caribbean is really like a, a ripple. So once you get a hit in Jamaica, guaranteed down the islands, you're gonna get called for shows, you're gonna hear a song on the radio, people gonna call you for drops. Um, so it, it's spillover. Also the diaspora. So once you have a big hit in Jamaica, the guaranteed New York, Toronto, London, and some other places now, like you know, some other Edmonton and Birmingham and you know, what I mean, all about the tri-state area, your record will take off. Um and that normally leads to ability to cross over. Um it's very few that very rare that you see a record dancer crossover that don't get don't start from the Jamaican market. 
Uh, but also, I guess it just gives you that, that stamp of approval when your auntie can call from New York and say, yo, we can't stop here. The song for every, every taxiway pass. Or, you know what I mean? You know, I get that if you have a song big in Berlin, but not big in Jamaica. So you have to weigh your pros and cons. But for me, I, I, I think, to be very honest with you, I think I've achieved, I have nothing to prove to get another big dancehall hit. I think I will get more, but I'm not putting the pressure on myself to do it because dancehall knows that what we have done, the history is already there. We have already done so much. Sometimes dancehall looking for you to carry the flag further. You know, the, them see Sean, them see Shaggy, them see some people there. When them see Bounty and Beanie right now, they're probably saying, yo, you don't need to prove nothing else to we in Jamaica. Just go and take on the world because me see you do versus I miss Rihanna and Erica, but everybody has shown in love. So let's go, go take on the world. Um, so yeah, you have to understand where you are in your career and you have to understand what your what is your priority and not be led by the forces that will say you need for that, you need for have a hit here because you have to decide what is right for you. Um Charlie Blacks is a good example. Charlie Blacks have some big record in a Latin American market that maybe some people in Jamaica don't know. Him definitely having space in a Jamaica too, but he understands that, yo, we need to make sure we keep giving that market content uh, that pays the bills and that keeps me... That's why I get a song with Justin Bieber, you know what I mean? That's why I get whatever remix or whatever, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you have to balance it out. You have to know you though. Makes sense. Got two last questions before I get you out of here. This mm -hmm. one here goes back to um, Bomb Rush Records. Yeah. There was only, from my memory, it could be wrong. I only remember you producing one song with Vibes Cartel. That's with him and Javinci Middle Day. Yeah. How did that even come around? Well, um, well, from before, from 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 when Cartel entered the game. I did always show him some rating because um, just from the Portmore affiliation where we, in the Cactus days when we were going to Cactus, Iwain was was out there building him, you know, trying to get him name out there. A lot of Portmore artists, Carter them was out there too. Um, and it was always this pride that we have to say we are Portmore because there used to be this thing called um, Border Clash back, back, back in the day where Kingston artists clash with Portmore artists. So we always had this pride. So for me, I was kind of like a, a person with bus out there. And just every time I see him, I just was amazed by him content. So I was always bigging him up and say, yo, Portmore and Ray Ray. Um, then we did a freestyle together. Um, you may see this, this video that it's a very popular. It always got viral every now and again. But way back in the day, um, him, myself, and a few others have this video of us freestyling. Um, and I think in that time you can see the joy that we had a lot of respect for each other. I might beat off the, the wall with me a DJ and, you know what I mean? And he might kill lyrics and Mr. Pepper and everybody, you know? Um, so there was that respect. Um, and then of course we kept on crossing paths for different reasons. A lot of overseas actually, cause he was on a lot of those crossover Hot 97 shows and so forth. Um, but when the war started with him and um, Vada now, everybody was taking a side. Um, and we never really taken a side in any war. So we did cool with both sides, like cool with Alliance, because we're on Killer Cool. Um, I wouldn't have no problem with Portmore, brother, Bill Timona Empire. Um, so 
the link was there, but from when from years before when he just came out, he had said to me that he want to produce something for him. Like I did talk to him and him say, yo, anytime you're ready, let's link me, man. So we already have that understanding that something could be done. But when in the middle of the war, you know, when they build this beat, um, and the beat they just sound like war. We call it really war trumpet. So I'm gonna say, yo, I'm gonna go link him, I'm gonna circle him. Um and what was interesting, he's such a witty person that before that he had just come out with vibes room and yes we had placed it we had a video called supermodel and we had placed his his, his alcohol in the video like yes. um drinking it and something crazy with it and i don't even remember that when me i go link it's not like we do it for him to be strategic it was just like we are supporting brother we, drink. we can't put any other bottle why not use his one so when we go link him for voice now it's a bsc I like the promotion, you know. I'm say with one. And him say, you have four solid shots. No pun intended. Because we say solid as a rock. So him say, I see four solid shots. No pun intended. That's video, really. And that's what I say, yo, you know, say, this youth is very entertaining with his way he's a wordsmith um, and his, you know, poetic way of doing stuff. So, and by that time, my Bima was also have license plate solid. So when him say four solid, in, play, in playing and words, you know, um, and then he said, yo, make the singer choose a rhythm, man. And I played some beat, but War Trumpet was the one singer find the hook. And I'm just going and knock it out. I'm really knock it out in no time off of the top of my head. Um, and then when I'm finished, I do the intro. I'm saying, yo, PSG. How some boys are PSG? Then we're going to chat like food from PSG. Do PSG. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was cool. It, it's one of the artists that we rate, 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 rate. So to get a production from him was cool. And then little after that, we did the Mavada and Chase Cross. And yeah, yeah. Big, big, big there. And that was the only song that you've actually produced with him. Mm -hmm. That and one was just one of those things. Well, Movada is a person where, for me, I've never really had the, the ability to sit down and produce a lot of songs with him. He was someone who was always on the go. So what had happened was I had left the beat by, by Stephen. And I was messaging him because he said that he would have recorded. He said that him like him would have want record on the beat, so just leave it by Stevens. But I was still linking him. Um, and then one day, I think by accident, I walk in the studio when he was there. I said, "BC, you know, so you support me, suppose advice for you." I said, "Yeah, but you know the thing I'm an artist too. Cause that's a good thing because I'm an artist. I totally understand when people are little busy. Mm -hmm. um, so I put it on and I start singing. I said, "Um, I'm singing song from the rhythm." Um, they, uh, none of them are really my cry. I think they are really my cry. Uh, burning up. I'm so burning up. Then say, shoot to the star, I know me not fire. And, you know, and then um, I left. He was tired, he left, and then I left, and he recorded the rest of it, brought in Chase. Um, um, same one, put Chase on it. I'm going to say, yeah, sure, bring out to you. So similar to how Cartel did one with his artist, um, Movada did one with his artist, um, and that was a Spitfire rhythm. Um, but I'm still interested in recording more stuff if the opportunity presents. Uh, every day we have ideas, you know, so just a matter of time. Basically, this conversation has been so crazy. I know 
factually, I could have took this conversation. We could have gone down the entrepreneur road. We could have gone yeah. down the uh, media road. We could have gone down the health road. There were so many roads we could have gone down. But I said, you know what? I'm going to try to keep this as musical as possible because I think somebody like you has a lot to say. And we've known you from TOK days. Yeah, we've seen that. But there's also a lot from outside of that, too, that we didn't really know that I think something like this, focusing on music, would have been yeah. the best approach to do this here. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And, I, and also, it's a joy for me to go down the memory lane because it's a platform like this allow me to share the facts with the fans and um i'm a person also a fan i watch these kind of shows to get the inside story of records so it's a joy to share that with the fans out there so yeah man give thanks for the opportunity thank you very last question before we go what's your thing here what do you miss most about being in a group opposed to being a solo artist um what i miss the most is the ability to not do everything yourself or not be accountable it's very easy to say, yo, man, your fault, man, car. You, you, you know what I mean? It's easy to blame the other person. But when it's your show, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you can't blame nobody but yourself. So I, I miss the ability to share in the creative process, share in the planning process, and also share if it doesn't work out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I miss that. And I think also, I don't think I think about it enough, but, I, but when we do link up, that's when I, I realized how much I miss us joking around. We have a lot of laughing moments and inside jokes. And those, it's nice when we link up. Because we do reunion concerts regular. Um, fashions are regular, but you know, once in a while. Mm -hmm. um, and when we do link up for those reunion concerts and start remembering those inside jokes, it's always a joy. So I miss that. Um, and I also miss the ability to brainstorm with others to plan a mission and we work towards it. That is something that I like with the group, but um, I don't know how it's going to sound, but if I had to choose, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am now more, where um, with more responsibility, you have also the opportunity to, to steer your, 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 your um, path, you know, um, and navigate it accordingly. And sometimes when you want go so, and somebody want go so, and next person want go so, it kind of mean that you're kind of in between so you don't really get to and at my age and where i am in the game i want to I, i'm appreciative that i'm able to just do what more and do and create one more create and sing one more and sing and you know like my spirituality is in church is, is individual so not everybody might want to sing a rasta song but i can sing a rasta song now because it's all about me if i want to sing if i want to get up tomorrow and go get a degree in law and become a professor I won't think that I'm holding back the, the other group members by not being there all the time because I'm full control. So it's a price to pay, but I really, really appreciate it. And I also appreciate the fans that that understand because some of the fans them wasn't feeling it at all. They were like, yo, I don't want to hear about no solo. I want to hear TOK. Um, so it took them a little while to say, all right, I get what you're doing and I'm, and I'm, and I'm mess with you. you know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Big, big, big. They want to check out what you have coming up for 2021 and beyond. Where could they check you out on social media and stuff like that? Um, well, Basie Music is, is I'm going to do a shameless plug. <laughs> I see it. I just needed you to show it to us. I see it. <laughs> yeah, Basie Music is the place to find me on Instagram and Facebook and um, also the website, basiemusic.com. Um, we have merch there. You can get your Basie um, masks you can get your straight out of Portmore t-shirts you can get your 
um, you know, albums and so forth. Um, and yo, trust me, some great music coming for 2021. Um, I'm already excited. So I kind of was like, do I do this interview now and miss the opportunity to say I have something new or do I hope that I will be reinvited again when the album is out to come back and, and present it because um, yeah, I have a nice body of work that I'm working on for 2021. Well, okay, let's just put it right here. You, we did this, you've been reinvited when your <laughs> new album comes out so you can do it again. All right, I appreciate that, I appreciate Definitely. it. Get us out of here with an old school Basie medley. All right, we started like this. Many rise, many drop, but we solid as a rock. Them did think we would have flop entertainment. We solid as a rock. Many try to test that, but we solid as a rock. We looking forward, never back. You know what? Hey, tell them boy that set. Bad man a bad man, fool is a fool. Gangsters don't take sarin are just cool. This is where the family you brought the first rule. Make me pop, 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 my body machine where we have up, but tell them it's irregular. It makes up, yo. Hey, <laughs> my crew, my dogs, make rules, break laws. We represent for the lords of yards. I got alone, I feel up, me. Hold on. Enough boy, I pose like a shatter. <laughs> and I feel hide when the eagle them fly. Oh, 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 never yet hear Shatala. This is what it sounds like when the eagle. We have the fire up on the hip 29 in a day. Then ready for all the Craigie T part that still, but they don't know the things that I want from me. It's been a crazy, epic conversation. Your openness, your vividness, and as Craigie said, you're going to be the one to remember the dates, and right. you did not disappoint at all. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was a joy, man. Um, I'm more successful in 2021 with your platform and the other interviews, and I'm there. I'm subscribed. I'm watching. Big up. Thank you 1,000%. Let me give you an outro and get you out of here because this was epic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.